0: But yeah, I think it's too just getting people used to what what physical therapy means to us. And I think that's a little bit different than, you know what they've seen in the past, where it's, you know, their grandma had a hip replacement and that's what they think of of physical therapy. So we're trying to just kind of change the mindset, you know, not only here, but hopefully through our social networks and things like that of kind of what PTs are capable of doing and and what our scope of of practice is essentially. And I'm sure that's the same in the the primary care world as far as looking at people as a whole and and taking a much more in-depth look at them as a person and their activity levels and their training and their nutrition and all that kind of stuff. And hopefully we're kind of that physical medicine side of things that helps bridge the gap for a lot of people.
1: I love everything you just said, and I want to talk so much more about that. (laughs) This is episode number 108 with Matt Stevens and Ryan Summers of Pure Physio. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Julie Fouché, family medicine resident and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring to you information and inspiration from experts and everyday individuals for how to use lifestyle to maximize health. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, let's get started with this week's episode. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Pursuing Health. In this episode, I got to sit down and chat with two of my good friends and physical therapists, Matt Stevens and Ryan Summers of Pure Physio. Before we get started, here's a little bit of background about Matt and Ryan. Matthew Stevens received his undergraduate degree in pre-physical therapy and exercise science from Baldwin Wallace College, where he also played collegiate football. He then went on to receive his doctoral degree in physical therapy from Walsh University in 2010. And since then, his postgraduate studies have included manual therapy, dry needling, Maitland and McKenzie techniques, shoulder pathology and throwing athletes, as well as Thai massage. Matt founded Pure Physio in January of 2015. Ryan Summers received his undergraduate degree in, in psychology from Bethany College in West Virginia, where he also played basketball. He then received his doctoral degree in physical therapy from Wheeling Jesuit University in West Virginia. And from there, Ryan spent three years traveling around the United States, working with a variety of different pa- patient populations from the elderly to elite athletes and special operations forces. Matt and Ryan share the mindset that physical therapy plays an important role not just in rehab and recovery, but also in optimizing our performance. Their approach is unique, and it focuses on one-on-one individualized attention that includes comprehensive assessment, hands-on therapy, and corrective exercises to address movement dysfunction, as well as functional training to prevent recurring injuries. Their practice serves the greater Cleveland area, where they work with a wide range of clients from high school and elite endurance athletes and cross Games athletes to weekend warriors and everyone in between. Matt, Ryan, and I had a great conversation. It was very candid, lots of fun, and we talked about everything from bridging the gap between sick care and fitness, the importance of managing all types of loads and life stressors, not just with our training, but with all of those other lifestyle factors like sleep and stress um, and how important this is with injury prevention. We also talked about how everything from manual therapy to mindset can help us build a hedge against sickness. A few quick reminders before we get started. First, this episode is produced by CrossFit Beyond the Whiteboard, the best workout tracking in the biz and the one I've been using since 2009. You can learn more at beyondthewhiteboard.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and consider giving it a rating. It really does make a difference and it helps to get these episodes out to more listeners. I'm also always looking for inspiring stories to share, so don't be shy. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send your story to me at info at Finally, please remember that although I am now officially a doctor, this podcast is meant to share the experiences of individuals, and it does not provide medical advice. So with that, let's get started with episode number 108 of Pursuing Health featuring Pure Physio. really excited to be here today on Pursuing Health with the Pure Physio team. We have Matt Stevens and Ryan Summers, and um, Matt and I have known each other for several years, way back to the Achilles rehab days, and Ryan is a newer friend, but I'm so excited to be sitting down with you guys.
0: No, we're so excited to be here, yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, So, I know that and We're here actually at Pure Physio, and I want to get into a lot of details about what you guys do and how you have slightly a slightly different approach, but I thought maybe we could start off with just what made you interested in becoming a physical therapist in the first place, um, and then maybe we can get into, Matt, kind of how you ended up starting Pure Physio.
0: Yeah, um, this is a question that I get asked all the time and I don't have a great answer <laughs> myself. Um, I never really had an injury growing up, I never really had phys- like physical therapy formally. Mm-hmm. Um, Coming out of high school, there was three things that I was deciding between was either being a teacher, a PT or going to med school. And PT was kind of that middle road where I could still kind of work in a teaching capacity with patients and educate Mm -hmm. them and then still kind of have a little taste of medicine on the side. And PT just kind of seemed to be a good fit for me. And I guess it has. Yeah. here we are, ten years later.
1: Ten years later, wow, it's crazy. And you, um, and you have but you had an athletic background, so you did I a did. lot of sports. I played a lot of
0: sports growing up, um, okay. between football, baseball, wrestling. Um, so I was always active as a kid. Always interested in fitness and health. Uh, did some personal training through college, and just kind of got PT seemed to be the next kind of logical progression. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, when I got into uh, my undergrad it's a pre-physical therapy major. I just never really looked back from there and just kind of went straight through to my
2: graduate work. Straight
1: through. Here we are. How yeah. about you, Ryan?
2: I think it's kind of the same thing with me. Um, I've been involved in fitness to some degree since I was like, you know, three or four years old. I always tell people I did like my first 5K when I was like four years old sort of thing. So, <laughs> really, you know, basketball and athletics and yeah, just endurance activities to some degree. And then, okay. you know, played some small division three college basketball. So I have an athletic background to some degree um, and just was looking for something to kind of Continue to work with the active population, you know, whatever medium that might be—personal training or physical therapy—and I just mm-hmm. saw the the outlet of physical therapy, the one-on-one approach. I think that's really where we kind of thrive as physical therapists to some degree, um, mm-hmm. and just saw that as an outlet to where I can continue to be a good resource for people from that standpoint, and that's what drew me to physical therapy, and that's why we're here. So
1: awesome! Um, and I know Matt, you worked in sort of a more traditional physical therapy practice initially for several years and then at some point you branched off on your own and open pure physio. So can you talk about that kind of what led you to wanting to start this practice?
0: Yeah. I, uh, so I guess, yeah, almost 10 years ago now I started in a hospital based outpatient facility. So still doing mostly orthopedics mm-hmm. like we do now. Um, and just, the traditional PT model was, you know, got to be very exhausting. I actually got to a point where I was pretty burnt out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're at,
1: what, in your 20s at that yeah, point? Yeah, it was yeah. early
0: and it was, you know, seeing patients, you know, every 15 or 30 minutes and you were just, you know, you weren't able to kind of actually do the rehab that you wanted to mm-hmm. do. Um, kind of struggled through that through a couple different, uh, different hospitals, different private practices and kind of learned what I wanted to do, or I guess, better or less, I learned what I didn't want to do mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, there was actually a point where I was ready to quit. I was interviewing for medical sales jobs. No
1: way. I <laughs> yeah. didn't know that.
0: Yeah. And um, then I, you know, what? I finally, we kind of set foots here in Cleveland area. And I just basically told my wife, I was like, hey, I don't think I'm going to make a, you know, make a run for it. Mm-hmm. And I, I quit my job. I was working part time and I was working in a back office for, you know, at, at another facility and just renting a small space. And here we are. We've been now been here since, well, in this location for almost four years now. Wow. So
1: now did you have other, were there other practices or other physical therapists that you looked to, um, that were sort of models for you and branching off on your own? Or was it just sort of a, well, if I don't do this, I don't know what else I'm going to do. Situation.
0: Yeah, I think there wasn't an exact model that I was I was kind of you know looking at. There was a lot of folks that at that time were just starting in the cash-based kind okay. of private practice uh, arena. Um, but when I was working in private practice before, I actually had managed. You know, we had two different facilities. We had a pretty large staff, mm-hmm. and I saw that basically we were we had a lot of overhead at that point. Mm-hmm. And I said, there's probably a way that we can do this much leaner, kind of mm-hmm. much more raw, and be able to provide that one-on-one care. Um, unfortunately, if, if we do take insurance now, but that insurance world is, is challenging because mm-hmm. the only way to increase revenue is to see more volume, yep. and I think we're seeing that across the board in, in the medical system where mm-hmm. doctors have you know five to seven minutes with patients and we kind of have to meet these quotas, and mm-hmm. I wanted to get away from that traditional kind of model and just see if I could do it and, and make a living and, and pay my bills, and <laughs> here, we. We are still <laughs> doing it. Um, that's one thing we kind of pride ourselves in is we're not a high-volume clinic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really try to kind of provide, you know, that one-on-one care that's very individualized. Uh, it's always one-on-one, and you know, we treat anywhere between 45 minutes and an hour with every patient. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's you know it's come a long way, and I think I think people are starting to recognize that there's a benefit in this this model of care, which is good. Um, so that's kind of a yeah. little bit of background.
1: And there's so many parallels that I can draw. I mean, I think it's amazing that you did that. At at that point in time, because I think about now looking at primary care and sort of the field that I'm in, there is this model of direct primary care, which is basically this model, this low overhead model. And knowing that that's out there and people have done it before and it's something that has been proven and works gives me a lot of reassurance going that route. But I think it must have been scary early on, kind of making that leap and going from, I think that's what so many people struggle with, is they think. The, the security of working for a big system and having kind of that, um, you know, the salary or the benefits or whatever comes with that and, and being afraid of opening your own business or worrying about the business side of things, which most of us didn't learn in school, is very overwhelming at first, I think, for most people.
0: It's definitely the challenge, I mean we're still learning every day, every week, every month how to run a better business, you know, and that's kind of something that we're we're actively pursuing right now is kind of how to how to better our skills there, mm-hmm. um but yeah, I think it's too just getting people used to what what physical therapy means to us, mm-hmm. and I think that's a little bit different than you know what they've seen in the past where it's, you know, their grandma had a hip replacement and that's what they think of of physical therapy. So we're trying to just kind of change the mindset, you know, not only here, but hopefully through our social networks and things like that of kind of what PTs are capable of doing and and what our scope of of practice Mm -hmm. is essentially. And I'm sure that's the same in the the primary care world as far as looking at people as a whole and and taking a much more in-depth look at them as a person and their activity levels and their training and their nutrition and all that kind exactly. of stuff. And hopefully we're kind of that physical medicine side of things that helps bridge the gap for a lot of people.
1: I love everything you just said. <laughs> and weird. I want to talk so much more <laughs> about that. So we're going to come right back there, but I also want to get some of Ryan's perspective about what, like, how did you meet Matt? How did you find out about this practice and what attracted you to working here?
2: This yeah. is a good story. Yeah. Oh,
1: good. Well, I haven't heard it yet.
0: It's, just a no, it's, cool. story. it's Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. So, um, When I graduated PT school in 2014, I wasn't really sure how I wanted to progress my career. What did I do with it? Um, So in the physical therapy realm, they have things like residencies where you can go and be a part of that and get some mentorship and just... You know, advance your skill set. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really sure I wanted to do that. Um so my girlfriend and I we we graduated school together and we decided just to do some traveling physical therapy. Oh, um interesting. Yeah, so kind of locum from your standpoint. Yeah. But so we traveled around the country for about three, three and a half years doing that, working in wow. different clinics, different settings. So I used that to essentially just gain mentorship, just work in different settings, you know, get some different skills, you know, work in different gyms and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um but then eventually I realized that I wanted to start and grow my own thing. Um, And so I did some research and I was actually in Seattle at the time and looked back on the East Coast. I'm from West Virginia originally, so I wanted to be back here um, to some degree, Mm -hmm. but West Virginia wasn't the location for me. So I started looking in different areas um, and did some market research on Cleveland um, Mm -hmm. and just saw that there was a lack of what i was looking to do from that standpoint from like a business development standpoint mm-hmm. um I, I found matt and saw him as a competitor <laughs> initially you have to tell him
0: about the, the the piece of paper <laughs> <And> so <laughs> i great. just
2: i just busted this back out but <laughs> i essentially just mapped out every gym every fitness and you know yep. yoga clinic you know whatever it might be physical therapist, just throughout all of cleveland just kind of how can i start getting a network which you know, if I could do it all over again, I probably would not have done it that way. Of coming here, knowing absolutely no one, and starting a private practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, I came here, um, started my own thing at a gym right down the road, started my own business. But through just trying to gain some network and you know get some roots in the Cleveland area, everyone just kept bringing up Matt Stevens Pure Physio, Matt <laughs> Stevens Pure Physio. You it's know, created
1: a reputation e- for himself. Exactly right,
2: <laughs> and you know it sounds like you guys really hit it off. And okay. It took a little bit of checking um, my ego of saying, you know, I want to, you know, run this guy, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, I want to run him out of here. Like he's my competitor at standpoint. And I think I, I don't even know what the podcast was, but it was essentially a, like, a business development uh, podcast of like, don't see competitors as competitors. Like, mm-hmm. do some, you know, collaborate, partnership, whatever it might be. So I think I sent him like some just email. Here's who I am. Here's my website. And it must have intrigued him because we re- he reached back you know, immediately. Mm-hmm. We had a couple phone calls. I came in here and. I think whatever it was, we, the partnership was, just, was, was pretty instant of, uh, you know, he saw the value of what I could provide and I saw what he was doing, so um, I think that was pretty much it. He, he decided to bring me on board and, you know, we now have the partnership and that started in uh, 2017, I think, so it's about a year, year and a half now. and. Um, yeah, so now we're just trying to kind of... But Ryan's like the king of notebooks. He writes, oh, okay. he's got like 30 yeah. notebooks, but he had this piece of
0: paper that had every every little map in Cleveland mapped out. And in the top left-hand corner, crazy. it said pure physio and he circled it like, this is who I'm going after. Right. This like, dude. this is
2: like, he's the only one that I need to be yeah. leery of. I mean, oh like, no gosh. disrespect, like everyone else no, in the was area. Was uh, like, but well, that's like you know, really compliment. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah I just want to say, like, everyone else is like inferior to what we're doing. But no, like, but Matt was like the, yo know, pure physio... Like this is the dude, like the the top in, end of the the spectrum, like I'm coming for him sort of thing, and then <laughs> it was hilarious. And then shortly thereafter, I was like, dude, you're actually not as bad as I thought you were. Like, uh, Can I come on board? Let's let, let's let's do some stuff together. So uh, and then yeah, it, it's been we've been hitting the ground hard ever since. So. Yeah yeah it's just i guess that's a good story i guess yeah the the moral of the story and matt was just on a a recent podcast with active life but it was just you know you continue to like put out you know Mm -hmm. high quality you know a product and then stuff like this just kind of seems to happen you know organically so he was doing good work everyone loved it and people continue to tell me and i was like all right i gotta reach out to this dude and and here we are so it's so true it was good
0: yeah Matt, it's 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 been a blast for the past i mean we've started to create a cool little family here and it's it's just been so much fun. And, and I couldn't have asked for a better, you know, a better person to like seek me out of the blue. I was, I had a couple other people like in the works looking to hire and Ryan just literally fell on my lap and here we are. And it's, it's been great. Awesome. awesome.
2: Cute story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't believe I haven't
1: heard that before. That's so funny. Yeah. Um. Okay. I want to, I do want to get back to kind of what the road that Matt was going down because I think this is, really so important and what's so unique about your practice and really where my interest lies in medicine is bridging this gap between medical care and sick care and then this whole other fitness and um, wellness sort of world and right now they're very separate Um, but I think what you guys are doing is really bridging that and blurring those lines Um, and so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit just about what kind of what that mission is of peer for your physio, and if people are watching, they can see the sign. It says "Rehab, Recover, Perform." So I think there's probably a lot there. Um, but can you elaborate just a little bit on sort of your full general philosophy of what what you're trying to help people with?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think our you know our kind of kind of mantra, or kind of you know our little tagline for, and you know, we're kind of slowly working on on some of that. But um, it's always been kind of bridging the gap between between rehab and, and performance. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think that's always been a goal and a passion of ours is to kind of start to blur those lines a little bit. I think one thing we, you know, everybody that's been to PT in the past or maybe some of the more traditional, traditional route is, you know, that your PT tells you that you're weak and you got to get strong and this and that, and they hand you a two pound weight. And Mm -hmm. that's about the extent of what, of what your PT is. A stack of papers with (laughs) (laughs) exercise.
1: That's Um, all I remember from being like a middle school, high school.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> and we've been lucky enough to create like a niche group of, of, of patients that come in and see us and they have goals all over the place, whether it's mm-hmm. going to the CrossFit games, running their first 5K, doing a hundred miler, you know, powerlifting, you know, whatever it may be. And our goal is to never tell them, no, they can't do that. You know, and we're going to find a way to get them to that goal and, and kind of take them from wherever their injury is and, and get them or kind of put them in a situation that allows them to have success. And so I think we do more than just kind of your basic day-to-day PT and give people exercises. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's kind of been kind of our mantra since, since day one is to kind of start to blur those lines. And, but it's, it takes more than just giving somebody, like you said, a piece of paper and telling them to like, here's, you know, here's what you're going to, you know, the next thing you're going to do this three times a 10 or three sets of 10, but two pounds for the next Mm -hmm. three weeks and then you'll be good to go. and so I think we have a sports background that we we try to implement into a lot of our a lot of our um, our PT, and then just understanding the needs of our patients has been has been huge for us. And collaborating too has been has been great with whether between between primary care, so we work with a lot of just physicians in the mm-hmm. area, or orthopedic doctors. Uh, we work with a lot of nutritionists. We work so we try to kind of are slowly building this well-rounded team around us. With the goal is to be able to optimize these folks to to get them to do whatever it may be, mm-hmm. even you know is running 100 miles always the smartest thing to do not necessarily but we're going to figure out a way to get you there and keep mm-hmm. you as healthy as we can um
1: and maybe in the process you realize maybe this wasn't the right goal for me, but <laughs> exactly. it's all that evolution right as you as you progress down the yeah road. yeah so or I think, maybe for some people maybe it's a bigger goal that they didn't think they could do
0: and i think too is you know kind of how how you guys are doing more in the in the functional medicine space of you know this really elaborate assessment at uh, uh, you know up front mm-hmm. you know not only looking at just what their symptoms are mm-hmm. but you know we try to kind of bring that into the PT world is okay where are their imbalances where are there you know these de- deficiencies in, in the system so we mm-hmm. do a lot of rigorous testing with our folks when they come in and we ask questions about nutrition about sleep about stress about you know you know lifestyle mm-hmm. things outside of the PT realm that we try to kind of start to influence too and mm-hmm. so we kind of look at ourselves as what we call like load managers in some way and, and that load can be all kinds of different things, not just, you know, running a hundred miles or going to the CrossFit gym six days a week, mm-hmm. but you know, what's the stress of life and having kids and all of that stuff. So we, we try to kind of be as, as well-rounded as we can and just bring this whole body approach or mm-hmm. whole system approach um, to looking at each individual patient that comes in the door. I think again the 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 model that we've developed allows us to do that when i can spend an hour you know we can spend an hour one-on-one with our patients Mm -hmm. we have time to start to ask those questions and dig a little bit deeper and you know figure out maybe why some of these things have have gone on Mm -hmm. and then maybe to do a little bit more extensive testing and and then you know proper rehab Mm -hmm. so it's been a fun journey but that's kind of been our our mantra since since day one is to be able to just take your traditional model and just start to blur those lines between like i said rehab and, and performance and helping our folks
2: meet whatever goal you know they may have mm-hmm. yeah i think our the base off met what said like we want to be a resource for people to some degree um you know we you know the, the the catchy phrase now is just like be an expert in the industry and i think we are you know that you know when it comes to the physical therapy strength and conditioning stuff but we are also generalists from the standpoint of we can be a resource of people who come to us looking for solutions to the problem you know mm-hmm. if we we understand enough to know we don't know and if we can delegate something to a you know nutritionist or, or a dietitian or mm-hmm. you know some sort of you know a physician that need some you know some blood tests and whatever it might be we can be the resource and we can identify you know through asking the right questions you know are we the right fit for you at this point in time or do, do we need to kind of think outside the box like Matt was saying you know looking external loads, internal loads, stress, mm-hmm. diet, sleep, that sort of thing. Um, I, I think with, with our, our backgrounds and being, you know, lifelong learners to some mm-hmm. degree, we know enough to how we can start delegating and creating these paths for people to, to get them to their end goal of whatever that might be.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And how all these things interact, right? Exactly. It's never yeah. so simple as one specific problem and being able to have the time and the expertise to peel back all of those layers and give people the right support, I think is so important. Um, And it kind of speaks to this, actually, when Amanda Barnhart was on the podcast a few episodes ago, we talked a little bit about just using the principles of physical therapy or movement as a preventative sort of thing, which is so backwards from our medical system. And it still boggles my mind that, you know, we can get insurance dental insurance and we can get two dental exams every year that are basically cleanings and preventive exams but we don't get the same thing when it comes to our movement or our nutrition you basically have to have a diagnosis and injury or you, you have to have, have diabetes first. or kidney disease or something to be able to see a dietitian. um which then you know we're paying for all those repercussions on the back end with our medical system so from a and, and the approach you take is obviously very preventative. You're addressing whatever issue people are coming to you with, but then you're thinking about, okay, how can we get this person to be moving well so that we prevent future problems from happening? So, can you talk a little bit about sort of how you how you would approach a person who comes in who says, I, you know, maybe I maybe they don't have maybe they have a nagging injury or something minor, but they say I want to make sure that I'm preventing injuries or that I'm that I'm going to be healthy, kind of looking forward for the general health and longevity?
0: I think kind of going back, I mean, we always talk about, for us, assessment is key. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, depending on what the sport is or what the activity is, you know, each sport has their own strength requirements, their own flexibility requirements, their own, um, you know, just overall performance Mm -hmm. kind of of requirements. And so we take each individual and really assess their goals, you know, what it may be, um, and then just develop a program that's going to start to address these subtle imbalances Mm -hmm. to to start to reduce injury. Um, But with that becomes, you know, those imbalances are not only just in their body, but also in their training, you know. Do we look at you know they're running six days a week and they're running at the same pace every day all day mm-hmm. and maybe now they're running into just this overuse injury so um you know when we look at them from top to bottom it's it's you know from this kind of prehab or just kind of injury uh, reduction mm-hmm. uh, we take a look at everything and and the goal is to kind of start to again build that individual model based on on what the needs are of that person mm-hmm. and so um I think that's kind of the the gist of really what we try to achieve with everyone that comes in the door, and we. You just have to kind of take in a, into account all of those, like we said, internal and external stressors to, to figure out what's
2: the best recipe for success for this person. Um, I think what we do really well that, you know, we find in, in our industry that people don't do as well is that there is so much information. It's like information overload. So when we take this assessment piece, yeah, we're looking from head to toe, but we also are really good just finding the low-hanging fruit is the yeah. way we describe it. You know, what is a priority? Yeah, you know, like, like you mentioned with you go to a PT clinic, like you're going to get like brochures of all this thing. Like, yeah, we found your shoulder is weak and your knee was this and your ankle what's like mm-hmm. okay great but then now what do i do about it and so mm-hmm. we always try to promote a certain level of certainty is okay here's your top three things you need to be working on this is this is priority number one mm-hmm. yeah you know your shoulder and your ankle might be you know correlated to some degree mm-hmm. but if we don't just start looking at these you know you know in asymmetries and this is priority one that can, we can now snowball to get the overlying theme of what we're trying to achieve mm-hmm. i think that's what we we, we, we have, stand out from the rest of the crowd from, the, from that standpoint and you know we can get a lot of information but it's okay what do we do with it now you know what was my priority and how do we now create that streamlined approach step one step two step three to where now we can kind of start building up from there right. so part the parts key but okay now how do we create the plan based off that assessment approach
1: and I think that's so key because if you give people too much information or right. too much to do they're not going to do anything they're going to be overwhelmed and that's kind of the issue I think we run into with now with people really wanting to optimize, you know, some people are really wanting to optimize everything. And if you did everything that you're quote unquote supposed to do in a day and you were sleeping for eight hours and meditating and eating perfect meals and doing all of your perfect prehab and recovery and stretching and everything like that would be more than a full-time job. <laughs> mm-hmm. So really, and I, I think this is in primary care, what we talk about a lot too is again, prioritizing and, this sort of idea of motivational interviewing and finding out what is most important to that person and what are they going to be able to implement right away? Um, so what are some of the, for if you were to look kind of generally, if there's any commonalities or common themes that you see among a lot of your patients or specifically maybe patients who are doing CrossFit since that's a majority of listeners, um, are there any low hanging fruit sort of things that you see frequently that you're, you feel like you're constantly advising people about? <laughs> um. <laughs> you can get, you can be brutally honest. We need to hear no, it. I
0: think it, we were just having this conversation, yeah. uh, you know, earlier in the day and we were talking about how just, the CrossFit community is is so key, mm-hmm. but people oftentimes get caught up in the community atmosphere, mm-hmm. and they don't know their own limitations, and I think that's where we'd really try to identify with our folks that come in or come through the door. Is you know how can we keep this folk these folks in the gym, keep mm-hmm. them training, keep them a part of the community without putting them at risk mm-hmm. for doing things that maybe they shouldn't be doing at that point in time mm-hmm. because they want to snatch because that's programmed on the on mm-hmm. you know on on the whiteboard. Um, I would say it's not like I don't think we see any one particular injury in the CrossFit world. It's not like, yeah, 80% of CrossFitters all have back pain or shoulder pain or knee pain. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we see just a lot of general overuse. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this is kind of even where we're going with some of the stuff uh, Mm -hmm. in the train program is, is monitoring their intensity throughout Throughout the week, and everyone Mm -hmm. wants to come in and and compete and go as hard as they can every single day. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of folks that have a stressful job, they have you know kids at home, they have uh, you know just a busy lifestyle outside. Mm -hmm. Maybe they didn't aren't sleeping eight hours. Maybe they aren't getting all those things in. But then they still want to perform at a very high level at the gym, and that's Mm -hmm. oftentimes just tips them over the edge a little bit. And that's where these little nagging injuries come in. Mm -hmm. And then if you pair you know, the fact that maybe they're not, maybe they don't have the proper movement patterns to do, Mm -hmm. you know, a certain movement. And now um, that's just one added stress. Mm -hmm. So our goal is to kind of manage their load a little bit, kind of lay out their week sometimes as far as, you know, here's where we're going to, you know, go all out and here's where we're going to take a little bit easy Mm -hmm. and then start to adjust these kind of low hanging fruit things as far as Mm -hmm. their movement patterns and their mobility and all of those kind of things.
1: And I think that's an amazing point that you just brought up because it's something that I know, I see, um, I know that you know, Danny, now working with a lot of patients who do CrossFit, has seen where, and I mean, I know I experienced this in my own life, where most people who are gravitating towards joining a CrossFit affiliate are very high achieving people, very motivated people. They're people who are working, they have families, they have jobs, they have all these things going on. They're high intensity people, and they don't know how to rest, and they don't like to rest. And um, so there are, you know, health implications. You, injuries certainly, but there's also even sort of metabolic or hormonal health implications of constantly being in that fight or flight mode all day long, every day, not sleeping, kind of burning the candle at both ends. Um, and it's something that I think I'm very excited about the way that CrossFit is going and kind of shifting their focus back towards health, which is really what it's always been about. Um, at the base of things. But sometimes I think when we see the competitors or we see the CrossFit games and how much those athletes are training, um, even though that's all they're doing, they're not having families and jobs and everything else. Um, it it can be, you know, people want to replicate that. And it's not necessarily the best thing if we're thinking about longevity and how we want to be training when we're 70 and 80 years old down the line.
0: I'd say at least in my standpoint, one of the really common mistakes that there's one takeaway is, people think that exercise is always their stress reliever. Mm -hmm. If I don't make it to the gym, this is the one thing that like, I'm going to, you know, not have to worry about work and not have to, you know, worry about maybe the family at home for, you know, for that hour that I'm in the gym Mm -hmm. and that's their stress relief. But oftentimes their stress level is already, mm-hmm. you know, the stress on their body is already so high and they believe that that is the way that's going to start to reduce their stress mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, they get an injury, mm-hmm. they start to have, you know, maybe what's more chronic fatigue or adrenal issues and then all of a sudden they can't go to the gym at all. You know, right. so our goal is to try to prevent them from kind of tipping over the edge at times. Um, but I'd say it's probably one common thing we see a lot is just this general overuse that then leads to this snowball effect of, you know, all
2: these other things that, mm-hmm. that can occur. Yeah, and like you mentioned, Julie, like, the motivation aspect with who we're working with that's never really going to be an issue in the mm-hmm. crossfit population we never really need to motivate people to do things it's going to always be more of a moderation issue yeah um i always like to use the analogy sometimes of you know what the, what the athletes are working with it's like a stuck drawer where you're trying to get it flush and they're just pushing harder and pushing harder mm-hmm. and it just never goes flush so sometimes we just have to take the realization that if we just pull that drawer out a little bit we shuffled around you know get whatever's blocking it you know mm-hmm. out of the way and then we slide it back in it goes flush you know what I mean it's <laughs> a good analogy right, I like. That. Ryan, Ryan is the
0: king of analogies yeah. <laughs> I feel like we walk around the office all day and I just like I just have my ears like kind of always hearing <laughs> what's going on in the background and he's always throwing out these like <laughs> epic one-liners and people are either like super into it or they're like oh god it's just Ooh, Ryan another one another one <laughs> and rest so
1: i I mean analogies and metaphors I think are so useful when you're talking about teaching it's such a powerful tool for teaching and help people understand concepts. But
0: it just always makes me. I laugh. always,
1: there I they usually little think,
2: gems of gold. It's yeah. always good, good content. <laughs> but. O- oftentimes, there's also a swing yeah. and a miss where like that did not resonate the way you I was looking for. You got to try it, it out first to know if it works, <laughs> right. right? That's why that's why Ryan handles
0: all the social media because he's like the king of the king of that. So he's got he's got all of them down, which is great. Just bombshells in. <laughs> just all day, throwing out fire all day. <laughs>
1: (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Um, Okay, so I have a lot of listeners who have written in, and there's a lot of people who want to know who are maybe in their 40s, 50s, 60s. They want, or they're, you know, looking towards wanting to be able to continue doing CrossFit or continue exercising and being healthy for the rest of their life. And they realize I'm not a CrossFit Games athlete. I don't want to train like a CrossFit Games athlete, but how can I best? use this amazing tool of CrossFit, um, and use it appropriately to improve my health and longevity. So when you talk about sometimes having to scale people back or having them, you know, moderate how much they're in the gym or what movements they're modifying, um, how do you approach that with someone? And then when you have some resistance or people maybe not wanting to do that, how do you kind of help work through that situation?
2: We we were working with, like, games athletes and that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. And, you you know, we always relate back to telling the general population, like, the reason they're elite, and I think you can Mm -hmm. probably tell me if this is right or wrong, but, you know, because they they understand the importance of individualization. They've gotten to this point because they know what's best – for them, you know, specifically. So mm-hmm. y- when people are looking like how do we prevent injuries, it's not, you know, going on Instagram and looking for mobility drills or looking for, you know, shoulder-strengthening exercises, Where it might be. Again, back to the assessment piece, it's understanding, okay, what's best for me. You know, when I go into the gym that day when I'm doing a workout or when I'm trying to recover, like – having a purpose to that asking the why behind why we're doing these different things and you know how, is that benefiting you towards achieving the goal whatever that might be if that's competing in a local weekend competition then great if that's just being able to pick your kid up off the floor that's fine too you know whatever it might be but we always want to like make sure there's purpose behind our decisions and making sure that it fits us specifically
0: yeah i think we also try to kind of lay out some we try to be as objective as we can sometimes with with certain measures and, and have people, whether they're giving, uh, you know, ratings of their day, you know, how, how much they slept and things like that, how well they're recovering, whether we're looking at biometrics with whoop bands or, you know, whatever it may be, looking at sleep trackers and all the different kind of neat things out there is starting to identify maybe, you know, when those when they're kind of overreaching, you know. A, 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 a little bit because mm-hmm. every person, you know, I, they can't walk in the door necessarily. And I can look at them and say, Hey, you're going to withstand, you know, four hours of training this week, you know, right off one." So mm-hmm. a little bit of its trial and error and just teaching them how to start to recognize when they can push it at the gym and, and, and when they should probably p- kind of pull back a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and, you know, when it comes to movement patterns, things, we also try to be relatively objective is, looking at, we we always kind of sometimes lay out like red light, green light, yellow light movements to like, here's what we can do. And if this movement's programmed, here's how we can scale accordingly. Maybe we're dealing with an injury or maybe we're a movement Mm -hmm. issue. Um, So it's kind of taking that trying to objectify their their recovery aspect, you know, are they how are they feeling going into the gym? Do they feel overly fatigued? Do they feel relatively fre- fresh? Sometimes it's just as basic as that. Um, you know, how well are they feeling? How sore are they from the workout before? Mm-hmm. You know, oftentimes people go into the gym, they're probably feeling super fatigued, they're feeling super sore that day, but that's the day that they need to start to recognize mm-hmm. those those kind of subtle symptoms and maybe I need to kind of tone back my intensity today or maybe I need to take a recovery day or mm-hmm. just, you know, do a, some gentle mobility and hit the rower and, you know, maybe go home and call it a day that day, you know, they can still move around a little bit, but starting to kind of give them the tools to identify their own limitations because.
1: And that's a great point you said just about modifying the intensity because it doesn't mean if you're feeling sore or you didn't sleep, it doesn't mean necessarily that you don't, you shouldn't do any movement that you should just rest all day, but you could still do something that's going to be good for your body, but not push it over the edge. So if it's more of a sort of low intensity recovery or some stretching or some foam rolling or even in a class, but just dialing back the intensity, if you're able or capable of doing that when you're in that class environment.
0: Yeah. I think that's yeah, the, whether it's fear-based or whether it's just, the, again, that kind of very type A personality that CrossFit seems to attract is they want to, they want to see their name on the top of that, <laughs> that yeah. leaderboard at the, at the end of class. And that's sometimes just letting people know that it's okay, you know, and out, often tell so athletes like, I want you to try to finish last in this workout today. And they look at you with these, like <laughs> what? Like, that's really, no, I can't do that. I'm like, you know, or train, Hey, like well, so train to improve,
2: compete to win. Like, yeah, exactly. Know, so t- think, sorry just interrupt. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just based on what you said, like it's, what is the goal of that day? Like if, you, if the goal is to improve, then competing and going all out to get to the top of the leaderboard on that workout is probably, you know, it's going to give you that acute stimulus of like, oh, I left the gym and I did it, yeah but it's going to be detrimental to the long-term goals. Like, okay, in six months, I want to be, you know, ready for the open. For example, Mm -hmm. we're in the middle of that right now. You know, if I want to really well in the open, that's an annual goal of yours, Mm -hmm. then doing that crappy workout, that's probably not best for you as you recover from the shoulder injury, you know, in the middle of July, Mm -hmm. you know, is probably not the best decision at that point in time
0: i mean for my crossfit athletes i, I often use like uh, marathon training as an analogy like mm-hmm. you're not going to go out you're not going to run at marathon speed every single day for 26.2 miles mm-hmm. to get better at doing a marathon you know they, they change that stimulus up they change the intensity up throughout the week mm-hmm. and i think that's one thing that's that's often a struggle for a lot of folks in the crossfit gym mm-hmm. um to kind of just be aware of that and be okay in your own skin mm-hmm. to be able to show up in 10th place or last place on you know whatever, uh, tracking app you're right. using. Um, and just giving yourself the permission to do that, I think is, is, is hard for a lot of folks. Um, and right. so that's one thing we, we We try to really hone in and at least if we start to track that a little bit, then they know that they have to check in with us and, and we can ask those things and kind of hold them accountable at first, if they're having a hard time doing that themselves.
1: That's so important. And I think it is, it's a double-edged sword because on the one hand, Competition is, is so, um, important and useful and it helps people become better than they thought they could be. It helps them to see what's possible. It helps them to kind of set those far reaching goals and maybe push themselves harder. But again, it's, um, it's the, you know, what is the purpose and what is your end goal? Not, you know, what is your goal today? Do you want to win the workout today? But where do you want to be 10 years from now, 15 years from now in your life? And like, what milestones do you want to achieve along the way? So I think whether it's their trainer, whether it's they, the, you know, they're working with a physical therapist and helping them to modulate, okay, and remind them what are your goals for today and and how are we going to achieve those is really, really important. Because for all of us, it's really hard. Um, like most people are, if you're competitive and you get in that environment, you want to do your best. And I think it's one thing to walk away from a workout in last place in the class, knowing that you gave it everything you had, but it's another thing to walk away with, you know, quote unquote, last place, but feeling like, oh, I didn't even really try. Um, And a lot of it is just switching that mindset from not like, oh, I didn't really try or I didn't push myself to I did exactly what I had to do today, you know, to to further my my long term goal. So I think it's awesome that you guys do that and work with work with athletes to to help kind of hold them accountable to what their real goals are.
2: Yeah, from like the multi multidisciplinary aspect, like you mentioned, like working with coaches, I think that's Mm -hmm really exciting moving forward, you know, over the, over the past, you know, two or three to five years or whatever, you know, I think that that's something we've seen improve a lot is just the communication aspect between mm-hmm. us as like the rehab professionals and working with coaches mm-hmm. from different gyms and having that back and forth of, you know, how is Susan doing and what do we need to do to kind of get her back to what, you know, she needs to be able to do, you know, obviously, to some degree, there's like a business incentive there, you know, mm-hmm. we want to keep paying members in the gym, you know, yeah. so that they're, they're obviously, you know, there's that motivation but at the same time obviously they want her to be healthy and to achieve the goals that she set for her so i I think that's just really exciting how coaches continue to see the 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 value and impact that we can have in working together and like how do we get people from point a to point b and having that reciprocal you know back and forth communication
0: yeah because i feel like at first there was times where coaches would they didn't want to talk to us at first. So we were stepping on their territory Mm -hmm. and and now as this all has evolved and I think, you know, we're all learning that we have, we can learn from each other, not only that, but also we can create this, you know, kind of good dynamic between practitioner gym and athlete or, or coach and athlete. Um, and with a lot of our folks around here, we've kind of started to develop this commonality of language, which is great, you know, mm-hmm. so whether these people we need a very intensity, very movement patterns, coaches are very, you know, very open to kind of allowing us to modify workouts for them, or we have coaches that even send, you know, us weekly workouts that will modify for these athletes, which... You know, it was, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So it keeps them in that community atmosphere. It keeps them in that competitive nature. You know, we might give them an intensity scale for the day, or we might scale some certain movement patterns, but they're still there every day. So I mean, even if that is their stress reliever from their day-to-day life, mm-hmm. we can still do that in a capacity that makes sense for them in that moment on that day and where they are at in their, you know, rehab process or training process, and, and hopefully get them to that end goal, whatever it, whatever it may be.
3: Right.
2: The goal is always to modify the training before we eliminate it. And I think, again, that's why we continue to have these conversations and you know you can we always tell people like you know say you don't have the mobility to do an overhead squat mm-hmm. or you know say you're a typical shoulder press is not in the car you because you're having that chronic impingement and we need to do something like a, some sort of modification you know using a Dumbo or a landmine press like we can modify a lot of different things and when we tell people you know oftentimes people come to us and they've been told to stop stop doing this you know and it's like we can do a lot of different things and modify your training you know from a you know movement modifications point or modifying volume and intensity you can still stay in the the gym and get really really fit um and just saying stop like doing it is oftentimes not the best solution you know dr Sh- sean pastuch from active life always says like okay you know if, if it hurts when you pee stop doing that too you know it's like <laughs> you just you can't you can't just stop and again we you all talk, have to move <laughs> right and when people like again like we were working with you know these yeah. typical kind of type a crossfit athletes like there's a lot of you know emotional connection to training mm-hmm. and when you say just stop that's not going to work well for them. Either they're going to continue to do it or you're going to tell them to stop. And now they have this emotional burden where they're missing that piece of mm-hmm. their life. And that's just going to create another cascade of just depression and anxiety. Yeah. And they're not going to sleep and everything outside of the gym is not going to be wrecked as well. And they're probably not going to improve from a physical standpoint as well. Mm-hmm. And then eventually they're going to get back to the gym and, you know, they haven't done the appropriate rehab and that injury is still going to be there. And mm-hmm. it just creates a whole cascade of events that when you say the word stop for, to these people, it's just, it's not going to work out well
0: and i think uh, we run on this all the time and we kind of joke about it but oftentimes they will see their doctor or something first they tell them to stop and what does that person do? They stop for two weeks. They start to feel pretty good. Then and they then they that. jump back into the gym yeah. and they haven't addressed this underlying issue or if it's an overtraining issue or whatever it may be mm-hmm. that got them into, the, into that position in the first place. And and our goal is, you know, always in the office is to figure out, okay, what's the root cause of, of why this happened in the first place? Mm-hmm. Was it just a training issue or a volume issue or, a, uh, or was it a movement issue or mm-hmm. a strength and balance issue or just, you know, external stressors that were creating some of this. And so part of what we do is kind of that investigative work of trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Whereas normally you go into the doc, they give you a cortisone injection, they tell you to rest for two weeks and then eh, figure it out from there. Yeah. Um, and our goal is to kind of be that solution product for those folks to figure out more of the why. Because mm-hmm. um, we see this, the it's it's pretty common thing we hear is, oh, I, I rested for two weeks, I got back to the gym, it hurt, I rested again for two weeks, and then I was feeling all right. So I decided to go back to the gym. And so it's just pro- properly progressing them back into doing those things too is, is kind of a been like a an art and a skill that we've we've kind of honed in over the years too and and I think that's one thing is giving people a solution to that uh, and a lo- hopefully a long-term solution uh, is is
2: always key I think the beautiful thing about CrossFit specifically specifically is that <laughs> maybe we can edit that out specifically is that there are so many different variables that we can control and manipulate and yeah. again just to say you know be black and white and say do it or don't do it it's just very narrow-minded you know, there's so many different things and we can manipulate and control to allow them them to still get a training stimulus to still get in the gym and do a lot of different things you know whether it's just getting on a you know an erg or just doing some movement based mobility stuff whatever it might be mm-hmm. there's so many different things we can control to to slowly start building back up that that volume and just start allow that tissue and body to adapt to whatever it might be mm-hmm. and again just you know to, to to say don't and again just say just be black and white do or don't and you know whether it's an exercise from that standpoint as well All mm-hmm. oh, that exercise is good or that exercise is bad it's just a very narrow minded way of thinking about it like what is the good and the bad of that specific thing and how do we implement that to that mm-hmm. specific person again to start bridging that gap start bridging that gap back to where they need to be
0: and I th- I think people think of rehab as as being easy mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. just often times we'll which up, is funny because well, I was
1: just in the gym this morning and another girl who was working out next to me Said, oh my gosh, my PT exercises are harder than my workout. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> it's probably
0: one of our folks. I probably, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's. So it doesn't have to like people think of this this rehab or this doing some of this accessory work as being very. I mean, sometimes yes, it is. It can be mundane if we're working on you know improving these subtle little mm-hmm. things. But it doesn't have to be easy. You know, I mean, we can still scale somebody's movement, but mm-hmm. still make it equally as hard. You know. Mm-hmm if you tell somebody to do, you know, tempo pause squats, they're going to hit you for that, but it's going to really, you know, maybe help their tendon health or or whatever it may be. So I think people are used to that, like, Oh, now I can only lift this amount of weight or I can only do this kind of thing. And and I think what our approach is, I mean, our PT is a little bit different. The, the approach as far as we're, we're loading people up here. I mm-hmm. mean, it's not uncommon to see our patients back squatting and to see our patients deadlifting and doing heavy, heavy movements or mm-hmm. whether it's carrying variations or things like that in the office. So it doesn't have to be this, oh, I can only use a TheraBand or, you know, <laughs> do some simple stretches and that's what my PT is going to be. Um, but yeah, we get that all the time where people are like, oh man, my PT was really terrible today. I'm more sore than I've, I have been <laughs> in a long time right. because sometimes it is just slowing things down a little bit and moving with kind of more more mindfulness and and being cognizant of different different loading patterns and things like that so um I think that's one thing that people are always shocked by when they leave here is like oh that was actually very challenging and they're shaking and quivering when they leave the PT office yeah. and they're just that's not what they anticipated maybe coming into this experience
1: right they think they're going to get a break from their right. training yeah.
0: or
2: their the exercise. stimulus has to match what they're going to get back to you mm-hmm. know what I mean like it's from a return to play standpoint yeah. exactly right like if we just again just rub people down and do therabands and they get back and, you know, and do 50 thrusters on that knee it's going to be like whoa what's that you know what I mean like we have to start kind of progressively loading that tissue through graded exposure to different movements so that when, you know, it's time to go, they're they're ready to go. And we we know from, you know, a pretty certain standpoint, like, yeah, you're ready to turn back to what you need to be doing, high Mm -hmm. intensity, high volume stuff and not just, you know, have another six week step back because it was too much too soon.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've seen that too with my husband, Danny, who I know has been doing your stuff as he has been rehabbing his knee and, Um, It's allowed him to take that step back and really address a lot of different movement issues. And I know I hear about it. It's not easy, (laughs) Um, but he's really enjoyed that process. And it's something that we could probably all benefit from. Sometimes maybe it takes an injury to make you take that step back, but we could probably all benefit from, you know, taking a step back sometimes and really doing focused work on improving our movement or improving some of our imbalances that we all have. So
2: yeah i love we shouldn't wait till just you know for something to hurt before we start some sort right. of preventative aspect right yeah. sort of that yeah or like a week before your competition <laughs> we get someone in there like oh i got
0: a i got a competition next week i'm like i don't do magic right. like, we do, we're therapists like there's, there's a way that your body has to you know somewhat naturally heal itself yeah. too i don't have magic fingers although some people they always joke about that in the office but it's it's you know we're not we're not defying science here and there's no gimmicks. It's, 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 it's hard work. And that's what people I think are sometimes shocked too, is like, they think it's going to be easy street when they walk in the office, but uh, you know, Mm-hmm. we'll challenge them in a bunch of different ways
2: and just public service announcement because I feel like this conversation needs to continue <laughs> happening but usually rest is not the solution <laughs> I just had like three people on my schedule this week who took five months of rest you know someone who's trying to play soccer and in two weeks five months of rest they they you know wouldn't played a full two-hour practice and oh my gosh. you know they for whatever reason they were surprised when yeah it still hurt you know what I mean and like To us, to some degree, it's common sense to like, how do we not just kind of start slowly building back up the tolerance to whatever it might be. But, you know, in the general population, you know, they think, oh, I'm just going to rest for four months and then give it another shot. And right. usually that's not going to work out too well either. So, uh, you know, I think continue to have these conversations <laughs> and tell people that, you know, um, it is becoming more common sense. You know, I think especially with the active population. But, you know, we have to find ways to start bridging again, bridging back bridging that tolerance to so whatever it might be. Right. And, and usually rest is maybe an acute part of it, but after that, not so much.
0: I think if you're on the line of pu- public service announcements, I think one thing that a lot of people <laughs> don't know is that f- in most states, physical therapy, we have what we call direct access, where mm-hmm. you don't. People still have this misconception where they have to go see their doctor mm-hmm. to get a prescription to go to physical therapy, and uh, now we can actually be a primary point of contact Mm -hmm. in the medical system for people. So we don't have to go see your primary. You don't have to get a referral from an orthopod. So Mm -hmm. we'll get folks that come in that maybe just have a minor ache and pain, but maybe they want to work on just this more of this prehab or this kind of preventative mindset and they can walk in our doors and and come there and, you know, whether it's an insurance-based clinic or a cash-based clinic, but, Mm -hmm. you know, PTs, wherever you're at, you know, they can start to kind of be that primary contact for some folks. And, you know, when they come into our office, we do our our proper screening and then figure out, you know, where they need to be if, Mm -hmm. if, if they need a primary care doc or if this is outside of our scope of practice, but that's one thing that people still call in and they say, oh, you know, I want to come in, but I got to go see my doctor first. And it's like, no, 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 you don't have to do that. Um, So I think we're seeing more people, at least in our area that are being, uh, or that have that knowledge or are aware of that and are able to kind of just call and make an appointment with things. Mm -hmm. And it's great because we work with coaches and trainers where instead of sending them to an orthopod, they can come here first and before they spend the money on an MRI or some imaging or whatever it may be. Or do some injections that maybe, you know, maybe it's right. <laughs> that may not even fix the issue. Right. Um, They're going to they, fix the pain. They can come here and we can at issue. least kind of be that, that those first eyes or that kind of those first hands on, you know, um, yeah. t- take a look at things and determine what's going to be best if, if we can conservative management or if this does need to be outsourced to, to, to mm-hmm. something else. So I think that's something of that, you know, wherever you are in the mm-hmm. country or the world to, to be mindful of, or at least in the States where we're yeah. primary care or we can have direct access. Um, But that's one thing if we're on the the public service announcement. That's a
1: really great PSA. Um, And it just makes me think, you know, this whole idea of sort of bridging that gap and how just the the problems and the cost of our healthcare system is, I think that, you know, in a perfect world, we would have, I think the CrossFit affiliates are amazing because they're kind of like Greg Glassman says, they are these oasis oasis is that a plural (laughs) oasis from chronic disease and all of these affiliates and and we have people being active we have them being you know in communities hopefully um they're getting education about eating better um and for most people you know that is going to be great and they're going to be overall much healthier and then you know that, that's all out in the community. That's not necessarily related to our medical system at all. And then you come in another layer, like maybe say they start to have a nagging problem or maybe they want to take a closer look at their movement patterns and they want to work with a physical therapist or maybe they want to work with a dietitian, and maybe that's all they need for a little while. And then, you know, maybe they have their primary care doctor who they check in with for preventive screening tests or for little things that come up here and there. And, and if that is happening, all that stuff is happening on the outside of the circle we should have a very healthy population and the things that really require true medical sick care will be, I think, much more rare. I mean, this is a perfect kind of utopian world where if if all this is working perfectly and then we don't have any diabetes or high blood pressure or all of these chronic conditions that are costing our healthcare system so much, um, you know, if we could get to that point, I think it would be amazing, but it takes these sort of bridges because right now there's, I think there's so much separation, and there's not that that sort of streamlined approach like you guys have, where you're communicating with the coaches, you're back and forth with the athlete and what they're doing in the gym, and then you know you're referring them if they need further um, levels of care. Um, I think about too. This was back when I was writing blog posts. I think this was like six or seven years ago. One of the first blog posts that I wrote, and and I I love the CrossFit's sickness wellness fitness continuum. It's like my favorite model that CrossFit uses for fitness. And, and I remember I drew it and I drew sort of this gap between wellness and fitness because that is basically what we have in our system. I think we have, you know, a system that's focused on getting you well, like you said, maybe traditional rehab, getting you back to being able to be functional in your life. Um, but then there's this huge sort of drop off, like you just, it's like, you're looking over a cliff, like, okay, and I'm going to jump back into fitness. I'm going to go over to my two hour soccer practice after taking five months off or whatever it is. And if we can help create systems to step people along that path, like you guys have just been talking about one step at a time until gradually you build up the ability to get back there to get to this fit side of the continuum, then we've all of a sudden got a really healthy population.
0: And I think that's, I mean, we see that as far as like how the insurance companies work, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate where, you know, they want to see that basically you can walk up and down the stairs, you can put your pants on and like, you know, get to work Right. and that's, you know, okay, (laughs) you can do that. Then we're not going to cover you anymore and you're on your own to figure out the rest. And so I think, you know, getting outside and that was kind of our our impetus to doing kind of the Mm -hmm. pure physio is, is to get outside of that that model for that, you know, that traditional Mm -hmm. kind of continuum of care where they get you to that certain point and then you're kind of left to fend for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's even why, even with the name, we kind of left out the word physical therapy because mm-hmm. it has this unfortunate negative connotation of what people think PT really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. sometimes it's like we hate even I hate calling ourselves physical therapists, but you know we get in some people's eyes we get lumped into that same category, right. and, and we're trying to kind of just be outside of the box a little bit. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's exactly right. I mean, getting people from that okay, I'm well enough to to get up in the morning, put my feet on the ground and, and do my, you know, or ADLs your you know, yeah. <laughs> to just get through life. And like life's so much more than just getting through it. Right, you know, and people right. have, have goals. We've been fortunate enough to, have, uh, the majority of our population, they have goals and they, they we have you know, Ironman athletes in their late seventies and we have Boston qualifiers that are in their late sixties. And, you know, we have an amazing population of people that still have goals late in the lifespan and and they're achieving them, which is fantastic. And, you know, hopefully we can be a small piece of that puzzle for them to kind of get them to continue to do those things.
1: That's amazing. Um, I want to talk a little bit about just the practicalities of this, because I know I have rehabbed my Achilles and we've talked about this a lot, but and just think, even thinking to that situation about prevention and thinking about what I could have done differently, um, from a healthcare system perspective, but for myself, like I'd had nagging Achilles and plantar fascia problems for years and years, and I had done a little bit to kind of keep things at bay and make it so that I could get through my workouts, but probably there's a lot of other things I could have done that could have prevented one the the injury. The surgery, the MRI, like all of the associated costs that come with that, the rehab. Even though we had a great time doing the rehab, (laughs) we did have fun. (laughs) Um, It would have been great to not have that injury in the first place. But, um, but yeah, it's it's paying attention to those. And obviously, I also think that myself in that situation of being a competitor, being in my last season, there was so many things that I ignored and so many things that. I think as a high level athlete, like there are certain things that you do have to push through, but you also want to be simultaneously trying to address them so that you're not just constantly pushing through, pushing through because eventually they are going to catch up to you.
0: And I think that was even something that, I mean, at at one point, Mm -hmm. if I recall, like, the the irritation was getting pretty bad leading up to regionals and it was like oh we're just not going to do as much of this volume Mm -hmm. to to irritate the achilles or the plantar fascia Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden in the workout it's like okay we got to (laughs) do yeah this high volume bounding and it was just too much probably you know maybe on a tissue that wasn't quite healed or maybe rehabbed and Mm -hmm. that was just the straw that broke the camel's back unfortunately so i think yeah it's it's there are some things that, you know, we can push through. We get some folks that are very, very hypersensitive, um, and are very aware of their bodies, which is not a bad thing. Um, but yeah, there are some of those little warning signs that, that you probably should start to address or start to listen to if they become very consistent. Um, and just taking something out of your program, you know, and then on competition day, it shows up like
1: now you're not prepared for it. Now We're not
0: quite prepared. Um, and so and I think
1: that's so funny because I think back to when when the Achilles injury happened. I remember reading some blog post or analysis that someone had posted where they analyzed my box jump volume using the Beyond the Whiteboard data, like all my box jump volume in 20, you know, the, the couple of seasons before compared to this season. And they're like, oh, well, she clearly was not training for this volume because, you know, she wasn't doing as many box jumps. And it's like, well, yeah, I wasn't because my Achilles was bothering <laughs> yeah. me, yeah. Um, but but I did, I mean, I remember doing super high volume of box jumps in those like early seasons of CrossFit and then having some problems, having to back off a little bit and, um, and then not really, but also simultaneously not really being prepared. So not even doing like lower impact jumping or building up the strength in probably a intelligent way.
2: Yeah. We we talk a lot about like acute to chronic workload ratios. You know, we never want to do too much within a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. Um, i think was maybe the 2017 regionals where they had the um the dips and yes the ring uh, dips, the ring dips With and all the, the there was pec all those injuries. pec tears exactly right and that was kind of the same thing mm-hmm. where people found out what the workout was they threw all these different movements in a very short period of time yep. too much too soon acute to chronic you know that that ratio where it wasn't where it was supposed to be and then people started suffering injuries as a result so again something from your standpoint like returning back to an injury you know we're never going to be like oh yeah, you're good to go mm-hmm. from like, you might feel good from a subjective standpoint but we try to be as objective, you know, tracking mm-hmm. the numbers as well to right. make sure. That, okay, yeah, the subjective matches the objective, and say, okay, you're good to go based off your healing process, based off the volume of what you've been putting on that healing tissue. Just you know, so we can accurately say, yeah, you know, when you compete, you're not going to have any risk to have a setback or have a retear and that sort of thing.
1: And it is amazing to just to think about. I mean, one the way that the body's able to adapt just to training and how, you know, how much people are able to do just adapting to training, but also thinking about how amazing it is that, that the body can heal from these injuries mm-hmm. and with the right stimulus and the right kind of controlled environment and progression, um, how prepared you can be to get back to training and doing it in a safe way.
0: And I think that's why I've had, we've had good success with our athletes. Um, we don't claim to like, you know, touch people and, and heal them, but it's, and a lot of times we become more coaches than therapists. We feel like it's like, Okay, here's what you know, where we're at now and here's where we need to be and it's it's more or less just giving them a healthy kind of track to get back to where to where they wanna go. And mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of therapists it's like they treat based on pain mm-hmm. and once that pain's gone, well then okay, you're good to go. And I think they miss that big kind of that that bridge that gap between getting back to whatever they want to do. And so it's almost like, I feel like we do more, more coaching than anything half the time, as far as educating people on these different things versus like, you know, you won't see us doing a lot of like ultrasounds or modalities or things that you would see in, in typical clinics. You know, the body's an amazing thing that, that will heal itself if we, if we allow it to, you know, we provide the correct stimuluses, you know, over okay. a course of time to get them back to doing what they want to do. And so like we talk, we like, we're almost more load managers. We've got to manage people's training programs mm-hmm. to get them back to where they want to be. Um, you know, as, you know, in that, in that space is kind of where the rehab lies, but, um, it's not just like, okay, the pain's gone, therefore I'm good to go. Right. And that's what we see often is, I felt okay. And the famous, la- you know, <laughs> last words were, I felt good. I'm just going to give it a go today and, s- <laughs> and see how things end up. Yeah. And it's inevitably, like, pro. yeah, there's a high percentage of, you know, like not a lot of success with that, with yeah. that mindset. Yep. Um,
2: yeah, passive treatment gets passive results, you know. So yeah. we're never just gonna. There hurt. he is
1: with those little zingers. Oh, well, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Very
2: quotable. Yeah. If you're listening, please be writing all of these
0: down and use them, at, cool. use, use them at your local box. They're
2: free of charge. It, it, it's important to know, you know, as a patient coming in, because oftentimes people come in with this preconceived ideas like what that rehab is going to be or what they yeah. want to make themselves feel better. And we we take that into consideration and never just say like, oh no, that's wrong. We're not going to do that. Um, but then we need to have that conversation and say, yeah, we. Might do some sort of manual therapy. We, you know, we, we dry needle, which a lot of people claim to be like a, a miracle treatment. But it's like you know, it, it allows us just to desensitize that tissue of whatever's going on. But we can't just be passive. You know, we have to then start building up some sort of active treatment stimuli. You know, because new tissue, new healing tissue, is weak tissue. And if we don't give it the stimulus to adapt to get stronger, then you're putting weak tissue and a weak body underneath the volume that. Mm-hmm you know it's just going to continue to break down over and over again and that's where we see these recurring injuries where people you know they get good for like two months and then they're back in they get good for two months because they're not they're not appreciating that that spectrum of healing in the process to okay how do we build back up to 100% and then stay there Mm -hmm. again matching the subjective complaints like I feel good I don't need to continue doing that but they're not appreciating that you know what they what they're not feeling it's still healing you know ACL tear and reconstruction like you're going to be pain-free in six weeks you know but that tissue is still going to be healing throughout to, you know, 18 months after right. surgery, you know, just because Wells Walker comes back and, you know, six months is, you know, catching slot routes, and, you know, <laughs> like that, that's not you, you know, and he's doing that because he's getting paid, but that tissue is still not healed. Right. Um, but
0: uh, yeah, I mean, you can come in the office and I guarantee we can make you feel good before you leave, but that yeah, doesn't mean right. that your problems, <laughs> a little massage here, a little cupping here, a little jar needling there, and then boom. Yeah. You're going to feel great when you leave, but is that really going to be this, the solution to the problem? Right. It's a very um, transient nature. Yeah, exactly. So, we always use that as our, you know, in treatment, we'll, we'll do some feel-good stuff, whether it's kneading, whether it's hands-on, whether it's, you know, manipulation, uh, and then we want to load that joint up. Mm-hmm. We want to teach that joint how to function. So, you know, oftentimes we see it's, yeah, it's it's great, we get a massage, we always feel better after that, we, we get adjusted, you know, we, if that feels better after that, but if we're not properly retraining that tissue how to function, or, you know, training it at the capacity that it's at, at that given time, Mm -hmm. we're probably going to have this recurrent injury over and over and over again. So, you know, we use the passive stuff to give us a window of time or an opportunity to start to to load these folks back up, to start to teach them proper movement patterns, to work on joint mobility, whatever their deficits may be to address the the quote unquote cause of the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, That's our window of time to do that. So... When folks are feeling good, we just don't send them out the door. That's when we have this opportunity to actually make changes in, in the tissue and start to kind of rehab that in, you know, in, that, in that capacity.
1: The hard stuff.
2: The not so fun stuff, but yeah. it's
1: always worth it.
2: The stuff that will improve you short term and long term, yeah. not the stuff that you, you leave your, your back feels loose and then you get in the car and drive home and then oh, hurt again. What? <laughs> <laughs> How does that work? You know? Yeah. Okay, now here's you know, a sequence of A and B and C that you can now run through yeah. to now create that same stimulus again on your own and not have to become seeing us once a week for six years. Cause that, has, that, I mean,
1: that has happened to me where I've gotten a massage and then the next day tweaked my neck or my shoulder or something because my muscles is so relaxed and I'm you know. Yeah. And we always
2: we tell people there's nothing wrong with getting massage. Yeah. Like and I still yeah. I mean I still get massage. Yeah. Don't get me oh wrong. Yeah, it's so fine. I. yeah. yeah, I mean you know we talk a lot about flexibility and mobility and strength and all these different things but in my opinion like bef- at the forefront before anything else is just the nervous system. And if we just have a highly sensitized you know, sympathetic tone of nervous system where everything just feels tight and achy all the time, we have to do something to change that. You know, whether that's a massage or some deep breathing or mindfulness or getting rubbed on, whatever it might be, all these different treatment approaches we've just talked about, that's fine. But like Matt said, it, it now opens up that window to where now we can load it. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be, you know, that's the special formula for that person Or now that's going to carry over long-term and not just have that transient feel good, now I don't feel good. Now i got to do something to make me feel good, and now I don't feel good again, back and forth where it's like, You know, you're just going to, you know, not Mm -hmm. do yourself any favors by continuing down that, that model.
1: Use that window of opportunity. Right. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about kind of what your day to day is like, maybe (laughs) if you guys have any routines or what it would be like to walk in, in the middle of the, I mean, I've done it a couple of times in the middle of the day walking in here, but do either maybe we can go through like a day in the life of Matt and Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> a day in
0: the life of Matt and Ryan. It's not that eventful. <laughs> yeah, I'll
2: let you start that one. Um,
1: <laughs> Do you guys start working at the same time usually, or is it staggered?
0: No, we generally. So the office is open from seven in the morning till eight p.m. Okay. Uh, four days a week. That's so awesome. We kind of split schedules. Yeah. Five um, days a week. What well, Fridays? I don't think you're here till eight o'clock. Oh, I thought you are saying
2: the clinic in general <laughs> is, is open from Monday <laughs> Friday to Friday. Only till
0: right. four o'clock. Okay. Got yeah. it. Um, <laughs> and no weekends because our wives and girlfriends would kill us. Okay.
1: <laughs> and you can start too early. Like first when you wake up, do you have any morning routines? Oh, like yeah, breakfast? The re- the how does routine. that go? Yeah. Everyone yeah. wants to know about yeah. that sort of thing.
0: I wish. Um, I was a morning person. Um, my alarm usually goes off about 20 minutes before I have to leave, mm-hmm. um, so I'm not the I'm not the model of health first thing <laughs> in the morning.
1: But you're getting I, sleep. I so am a stickler cool.
0: on sleep. Um, usually in bed by 9:30, so that's mm-hmm. probably I guess if you want to start my day there. <laughs> um, I I do sleep pretty well. Uh, yeah, I mean, morning is just it's it's pretty much the same day to day. I mean, as far as patient care goes. Um, We've been growing you know from year to year which is which has been a lot of fun you know we have more staff in the office now which is fun um and normally yeah i mean working with patients that's what we do all day mm-hmm. I, I can't say that that changes too much i think the beauty of what we do is we see a variety of of, of folks that come in mm-hmm. um all different age ranges all different uh, you know sports activities you know from professional athletes to you know eight-year-old gymnasts you know whatever it may be Um, so I think that keeps us relatively entertained throughout the day is Mm -hmm. it's never a dull day around here because you never know what's going to walk through the door as Mm -hmm. far as injuries aches pains uh, who's going to come in who wants to run 100 miles who wants to just you know be able to lift their kids up you know so it's it's always kind of changing I think that's you know that's kind of kind of the, the day-to-day we like to have a good time around here which is always good so usually in the summers where you'll catch us on a Friday we're always throwing the football or throwing the baseball we get outside we we're always just it's, it's a pretty laid-back environment I think that's initially what I wanted to to create as far as the pace of the day because mm-hmm. um, it's very I can't
1: imagine Matt having a not laid-back environment
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. sometimes <laughs> I get frustrated because nothing really ever stresses me out um, but yeah it's it's the 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 days of seeing you know eighteen twenty visits a day they don't exist around here um so I mean our goal is just building you know personal connections with with folks that walk in the door, so I think people hopefully like coming in. Um, and do it, you want
2: to it, talk about your training? Everyone's always interested
0: in like your yeah, training then, outside oh, of the yeah. office. So you, what is your fitness? What do you work out? Yeah. What do you do that during
1: the middle of the day, end of the day?
0: Generally, um, sometimes we we'll work out because sometimes we come in later. So my workouts are always kind of all, you know, all across the board. Uh, since coming back from my own injury, I haven't been in the CrossFit gym as much. Um, but I've been doing a lot of cycling lately. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I generally ride um you know four or five days a week mm-hmm. uh it lifts here and there uh this time being i need to kind of get back into it i've been using my my neck injury as a as an excuse not to get back to the gym well, as much what neck injury why don't you tell us about yeah, that
1: yeah i want to hear uh, that was gonna be my next topic is talking about some of your recent injuries because <laughs> matt has had a my
0: recent year. endeavors <laughs> i've been in all the years of even crossfitting i really didn't have any major injuries yeah. um and I don't know if I you know just didn't work as hard or what but <laughs> um I, I was never really had any major CrossFit injuries until this year I had a, a kind of a run-in with a, a emergency appendectomy <laughs> and then four weeks which actually Danny told me was the one that told me to go to the hospital because I probably would have waited even longer I know you longer. didn't
1: listen to him for a day um, yeah
0: <laughs> he called me and said did you go to the hospital I was like nah
2: I'll make it there tomorrow yeah and I take blame for that I gag yeah. on that quite a bit and I just was yeah, downplaying the whole situation you and Leah
0: both. everyone yeah. thought I had
2: a man cold <laughs> Yeah, turns
0: out I was dying from oh, the inside my um, yeah four weeks to the day I was back riding uh, indoor mountain bike park here in Cleveland and I ended up having a c1 fracture so fractured a vertebrae in my neck um and i was in a lovely neck brace for six almost seven weeks that's a long time um so yeah we have actually have a student in the office now which has been a blast i make her do my my rehab and hold me accountable to doing it nice. which i need to get back to doing a little bit more that's um, good
1: and what is that like i mean have you done rehab for other injuries in the past or is this really your first kind of major injury?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazingly, yes. I think in college, I had a high ankle sprain that I was out for two weeks. And that was been about <laughs> the ex- extent of my injury. I had wow. a partially torn hamstring that I was able to play through. So that didn't really require much rehab. And that was in the days where it was like, just kind of suck it up and deal with it. Yeah. Um,
2: have but you have any, had any
1: big
3: injuries Not really,
2: no. Um, <laughs> you my, guys, come no, on. Yeah, it's super boring. We're doing all the things right. You know, yeah, I know you're the steel. perfect example. <laughs> no, and I, I tore my PCL playing basketball, AAU basketball, like, when I was like 16, went up for a layup. Dude undercut me, had typical like dashboard, knee into the into mm-hmm. the floor. But even that like was non-surgical, so super boring uh, history.
0: <laughs> I think this has probably been a great experience from the fact that I've been able to be more empathetic about yeah. the healing process yes. um, where I see a lot of folks come in the office and it's like, okay, it's six weeks or 10 weeks out. And it's like, all right, let's, you know, it's, we need to start. And they're like, ah, you know, still a little hesitant where mm-hmm. I'm almost 10 weeks out of the neck brace and um, And I'm still having discomfort not like bad or not any limitations. Everything is, is relatively healed. But again, that, that bone healing process, it's going to take some time. And and for my nervous system to get used to being out of that brace, where I Mm -hmm. probably hadn't turned my neck more than 10 degrees for probably a seven week period. Um, it's been eye opening, really, which has been great. Not the fact that I broke my neck, but the, -hmm. the to be able to be that kind of have that extra, um, Empathy towards my mm-hmm. patients and kind of what they're going through because I really hadn't, and that was something I was, you know, people always ask me, and I would always joke about like, oh, I wish I had an injury <laughs> or had surgery so I actually knew <laughs> what, you're what you're going, going through. Because yeah. when you're, someone's coming in, you know, a week after surgery, and you're moving them around, and they're kind of wincing, and you're just like, how oh, this guy's being, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been it's been really eye-opening. So I think it's been a good learning experience for me. Um, I guess the question is just how how aggressive do I get back now? I mean, one yeah. thing we deal with a lot of folks is the fear of pain, yeah. um, or the fear of re-injuring and helping them kind of get over that hump. And I think I'm kind of in that, that kind of continuum right now where I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do kind of moving forward as far as getting back on the bike. And I mean, when you're mountain biking, it's, it's not, if you're going to crash, it's more when, mm. you know, and it's kind of, kind of nerve wracking. Yeah. Um, especially kind to of think a about.
1: traumatic injury like that.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's been good um it's it's been a it's been a learning experience for sure and uh, I'm and I'm glad I'm okay and I guess mm-hmm. I'm you know it's been uh good to kind of go through something like that yeah Ryan thought I was faking it with my neck injury too oh man that is true
3: <laughs> yeah Such <a> good
0: friend. <laughs> I know I'm the worst I even <laughs> tried to work on it for a little bit and you know he, he was like stop not. being a wuss and oh. I was like yeah. no nah, I mean it's really bothering it really me hurt. and sure enough I, Cause Gosh. I waited a whole week.
1: Oh really? Before you even, so I
0: crashed on a Friday and didn't go in to see the doctor until the next Friday. Oh, that's scary. That was scary. Yeah, that's yeah, I'm scary. over too, for that. Yeah.
1: Man. I, um, yeah. So don't listen to Ryan. <laughs> yeah, Anytime you have yeah. any, <laughs> that's more of this. no, I felt the same way when I had my Achilles surgery because, and I'm not, you know, a surgeon, I'm in primary care, but I had, you know, I've done surgical rotations and taking care of patients who are going for surgery and just, some of the little things that you don't think about, like just the fact of going, I'd never been under anesthesia before that. And it's scary to think, okay, I'm like literally relinquishing all of my control (laughs) over this situation and putting, you know, my fate in this person's hands or this team's hands. And, um, you know, for me, it was a orthopedic injury, but not something so serious as like open heart surgery or something, brain surgery or something a lot more um, risky. But, it just gives you that appreciation for how scary a lot of, and being a patient and going through that whole process of what it's like to go through pre-op and all that, all that sort of process. It's, it's not, you you kind of get, I think, immune to it if you're on the other side because you see it every day and you see patients going through it, but it's a big deal. And I think that gave me a lot of empathy for some of the little things that patients experience.
0: It did. Yeah. I would say my experience with the, with the, the appendectomy was, they're not used to seeing healthy people at the hospital, which mm. is really unfortunate. <laughs> they actually ended up keeping me overnight because my my blood pressure was low and my heart rate was low. <laughs>
1: You're like, this is my normal.
3: <laughs> this is like, I was
0: like, this is pretty normal. And they like looked at me and the nurse thought I was crazy because it's 5.30 a.m. Uh-huh. I was doing laps around the hospital uh-huh. and I went back for my follow-up and they told me before I leave that I should get up and walk four times a day. And I was like, I what does that even mean? like, And so... I went back in probably two days before she wanted to see me and she asked how things were going. And I was like, Oh, feeling pretty good. might be a little sore today. I walked four miles this morning. <laughs> and she just like her eyes, like her jaw, like hit the floor.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: so yeah, it was interesting. I, yeah. I like you forget, we deal with such a healthy population here that we forget that there's like this much bigger picture, this larger health problem because our folks here we're telling them to not do things for the most part. Not to hey it's time to you know we need to exercise thirty minutes a day for five days a week. You know, and and
1: there's definitely two ends of the spectrum. And we can go too far in either direction, certainly. Yeah.
0: Um I think I think there's just a, a much a much larger problem, you know, that that hopefully you know CrossFit and what we're doing as far as this health and wellness Mm -hmm. just keeps, keeps getting, uh, keeps trickling down to, to, you know, to more folks.
1: And it is that buffer that we talk about again, sickness, wellness, fitness continuum, that buffer that we all are working to create to get ourselves over on fitness so that when things happen, like we fall on our mountain bike, or we get appendicitis that we're going to be able to bounce back and walk four miles and, you know, not hopefully not have to get (laughs) held in the hospital for an extra day. Um, but, but yeah, hopefully that should be the norm, right? (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. He would think It's, and that experience made me realize that that is, that is not, that is far from the norm. Far from the norm. Yeah.
1: It's rare. I feel like I get very excited when I would see a healthy patient, like (laughs) 30 year old male who works out every day in the hospital. It's because they're there for something really serious. And, um, they're generally going to be motivated to get out of the hospital, which is not always the case. So, um, so, we talked about Injuries Day. Oh, we didn't hear about Ryan's day. Oh. Do you have a morning routine?
2: Probably a little bit more than that. I, <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs> Ryan's got a bunch of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't go too deep into it. I would definitely no, consider myself would. more of like the biohacker-ish, uh, Tools of Titans, Tim Ferriss, yeah. kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, but to keep it simple wake up same time every day you know what at, time is that uh that's at 5 a.m okay. the me if, too
1: yeah most the, days
0: <laughs> if the
2: alarm doesn't go off my body's going to wake me up anyway like okay, sleeping well not yeah <laughs> i feel like
0: julie's up at 5 a.m only because danny's up at 5 <laughs> no, no?
1: no no danny okay. can get up and i would sleep for hours but um i'm mainly up at 5 a.m these days because i'm working out at five yeah. thirty. but which i've liked but um continue yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. um I always have everything laid out for the day. I don't like the morning stress of just getting everything together. Uh But 5 a.m., I try to get some sort of water in my body just because I understand the importance of dehydration when sleeping. (laughs) So some water, lemon, (laughs) that's like number one, a glass Uh of water. um, And then I try to move a little bit, five to ten minutes of just some sort of movement. You know, what kind of movement? Um, probably some yoga stuff that Matt okay. has taught me over the years. Uh, that's, that's an the area. Yoga, the
1: five-minute yoga flow?
2: The five-minute yoga flow. Yeah, we yeah, love that
1: for the train program. Matt <laughs> programs that for our warm-ups and our cool-downs. Exactly.
2: It's, uh, mobility is probably my biggest deficit in terms of functional fitness that I'm continuing to try to improve. But um, I, I like that I'm like stiff and rigid at that point. Mm. So it tells me that, that that's when it's most needed. And I try to just do some sort of mindfulness for five to 10 minutes mm-hmm. before I come into the chaoticness of, if, that, if that's a yeah. word, of the, of the clinic where you're going to be listening and talking and just, you know, next door we have barbells clanging mm-hmm. and music playing. And I like to just have some sort of time for me to collect my thoughts. And mm-hmm. so I use Headspace or even just driving to the clinic with without anything playing just to kind of collect my thoughts. And then, you know, like Matt talked, once we come to the clinic, you know, we're doing our things mm-hmm. and... Outside the clinic, you know, training-wise, probably more of an endurance athlete than anything else. Running is, I wouldn't say it's a, it, it's a passion of mine. Mm-hmm. I love running. I love the, the disconnectedness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I completely unplug. I never use any sort of listening. You know, mm-hmm. no headphones or anything. I, I like that aspect again from like just the mindfulness of it. Mm-hmm. And then I use you know strength training and crossfit is kind of just an adjunct, accessory piece to mm-hmm. try to keep myself. Um, strong and healthy um when we're not training, you know matt and i have been fortunate enough to work with active life rx with Mm -hmm. dr sean Pastouche and um that's kind of like what we do outside the clinic just to continue to grow and you know be as much of a resource Mm -hmm. to people you know they're they're more of a global um programming Mm -hmm. resource you know for people so you know check them out obviously but Mm -hmm. we've been fortunate enough to work with them and that's just kind of the the daily you know physical therapy-ness that, that we continue to try <laughs> to do and, and help people. So you,
0: you will see Ryan most days grab a kettlebell, do some swings. He's always in the corner doing yeah. presses. I do, he's always got I do
2: enjoy kettlebells. <laughs> just again from the, I, I don't know, I like the ruggedness of it. <laughs> um, he's, always got, he's got downtime. He's doing, doing one-arm something. presses or something yeah, in the corner. Well, so we didn't even talk a lot about like, our endurance uh-huh. um, athletes a whole lot, but we, that's kind of our forte is the cross the yeah. population and just the endurance athletes and you know I, I like the kettlebells because anyone can use them you know and you know mm-hmm. if you give some an endurance athlete who needs some strength training a kettlebell and a, a resistance band you can do a lot of stuff you can get mm-hmm. pretty creative with that so you know yeah, we have kettlebells laying around picking you know some up you know i always like to do like a every hour on the hour kind of thing like okay, doing awesome. 10 goblet squats doing something just to move in, and get that greasing the groove aspect of, you know, of daily movement practice so I think
1: we should all do that we should just have kettlebells yeah. in all of our offices yeah <laughs> with
2: well, the whole like you know the traditional like pull up bar into the door every time you go yeah. into the board do some <laughs> pull ups yeah. uh, so we try to do that it's as that much that
1: movement throughout the day right it doesn't yeah. always have to greasing be the
2: greasing the groove out. yeah mm-hmm. so yeah it's I think so I think we're fortunate enough that like
0: our has become like our marketing too like it's been a lot of fun we get to you know, show up at a CrossFit gym and do some wads or a group ride or a group run or, you know, we sponsor some, some local endurance groups and some local triathlon groups and things like that. So I think it's just been a blast as far as fitness goes. I can't say that. I mean, I'm not really training for any one thing specific at this point, but, uh, we just love to be as well-rounded as we can. And that's kind of what we've done for the past couple of years now. And so, um, you know, you'll always see us out at different places doing different things and, and more or less just kind of having fun. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: We're just jumping in on a, I don't know, what was that run that you did last year, like 20-something miles?
3: Oh, that
1: was. (laughs) Jumping in on a nice casual. I thought I
2: was being nice. You didn't train at all for that, really. That was super Uh, impressive. Well, you you had an injury for that too, right? You had the, uh, the Achilles
0: was working? No, 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 no. My foot was bothering me after that. And then I had triathlon nationals. No,
2: there was something. You're talking about the pacing for the 25? Yeah. yeah you had an Achilles issue going on before that. Uh, maybe. We oh, trained right. together. And you yeah, did, you yeah, you're right.
0: <laughs> <God> um, that, <laughs> was <laughs> the, that was the ultimate uh, don't do of acute to chronic workload. Uh. <laughs> I, uh, I volunteered to pace a friend that was doing a 100-mile race, and I thought he had a whole crew of guys that were going to be helping out pacing. And I said, how long do you – what, what leg of the race do you need me to pace you? And he said, from mile 70 to 100. And I was like <laughs> – that's 30 miles. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't... At that point, I couldn't back out and or fake the fact that I've never even ran a marathon before. I
1: really? Know. I thought you did with the the Ironman, no?
0: I've only done half Ironmans. Oh, I haven't Iron quite man. done the oh. full full This is a half so marathon. Just yeah. half marathon. Okay. Um, wow. So, yeah, we got through it. Yeah. Kudos, man. Covered 30 miles on foot. It come. was... It was one of those experiences that was amazing. And this was kind of plays back to kind of like the, the mental side of training. And mm-hmm. and the whole time I knew that he had already ran 70 miles. Therefore, like mentally, I could not let him down. Right. And there was no way that I was ever going to be in more pain than he was in mm-hmm. doing that race. So I think uh, we're, we're kind of kind of getting into more of the mindfulness stuff with some of our patients and being cognizant of that. And that was like a testament to that. Like you can do you're you can push your body beyond its limits, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or far f- – I don't even know how I want to say it. <laughs> you can, yeah. like, mentally you can you can push yeah. past a lot of things that your body is going to tell you to, to slow down or, or, or kind of stop. But um, the mind's a really powerful thing, and, and not only with training and, and competing, but also with healing. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of a, a big thing that we really try to tap into. and
2: So slowly starting true. To
0: that mind-body build,
1: connection yeah. is so
0: powerful. My, my
2: runner ID weird. bracelet says the mind leads the body, yeah. just yeah. so I have that yeah. constant <laughs> reminder of, like – you know, mine being the central governor of like, Oh, stop doing that. Like you're bored, this is stupid. Like, no, like we're gonna keep going. Like we're you know that's funny. I, that's why that's why I like to use running just from like a mental training standpoint, also physical yep. training of just like overcoming mm-hmm. that that governor It's like, Oh you know, this is stupid, you know, calm down. It's mm-hmm. like, no, let's let's push past that, right, you know. Right. And that's I mean that's huge huge in the CrossFit world and, and kinda like we talked, it's how many times
0: a week do we want to push past that limit, you know, and kinda mm-hmm. being mindful of that. But that's funny my my uh my running bracelet says embrace the suck. <laughs> So it's like that kind of still that mental mantra of like, this is going to suck. I know it's going to hurt, but I'm not going to die or I'm not going to, you know, (laughs) I'm going to get through it. Um, And so just kind of learning how to embrace that, that, that physical pain of maybe your muscles tightening or uh, getting sore as you're training or running or you're breathing heavy.
1: But again, kind of back to our earlier conversation about this balance, is that like, that mentality is something you're using in a running bracelet that you wear in a race or is that something that is because it's not like an everyday right you're not going to that place every day of having to overpower your body no and it's the feelings that mine's you're
0: feeling. like my ID bracelet basically if I collapse or wreck or something that if someone (laughs) finds me it has all of your data on it okay is that what you're talking about like why
1: do okay just so that people are clear because earlier we were talking about listening to that voice and not pushing past
2: it right yeah (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we're talking about training
1: versus competing here sure
2: well yeah there's a time and a place for that yeah yeah like it we talk about like adapting versus yeah. optimizing, you know, and that's a maybe a whole different podcast yeah, episode. But we don't wanna, but yeah, we, we don't, wanna, <laughs> we <laughs> we don't <wanna laughs> want to dive into that. that. We didn't
0: say push into the suck every time you're training. Right. <laughs> right. Um the goal is to kind of know know when that is and that's generally at the at the peak or, 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 or what we're training for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the power of, of the human body goes you know, it's it, our brain can often put a governor on that, you know, Mm -hmm. during competition. Um, But yeah, you save that extra reserve for those those Mm -hmm. competitive days or those competitive workouts where you need to kind of tap into that a little bit because they have done research as far as, you know, basically pain training, you're training Mm -hmm. your body to, to be able to withstand more discomfort and not Mm -hmm. discomfort from a tissue injury, discomfort, like a a shoulder pain. Um, but from like, we've all felt the, you know, the, the lungs and the, and the muscles burn when we're on maybe, you know, doing thrusters or something Mm -hmm. or doing a, you know, an intense workout that you want to put that barbell down, Mm -hmm. you know, during that, you know, three minute, you know, whether Fran or whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. Um, but that's a part where the mind can kind of really start to be that that extra piece that, Gets kind of your average athlete into your more elite athlete, and that's probably a different conversation for Mm -hmm. for maybe a different population sometimes. But yeah, there's there's definitely that that mind can be can be a governor, and that mind can be trained, you know. So not only are we training folks that have these big big lofty goals or whatever whatever we're helping them to do, it's it's such a key piece um, to to have success in whether it's endurance sports or Crossfits, Mm -hmm. um, is just being being mindful that the mind is is part of part of the puzzle, you know, and also on the recovery side of things we talk about that a lot too or most crossfitters are oh, i can't i can't do yoga or i can't meditate you know, it's too it's too slow for me mm-hmm. and it's like you're probably the the person that needs is to be doing most. this the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's the flip side of, you know, tapping into that extra reserve, but also that mindfulness of allowing our body to heal and allowing our parasympathetic kind of rest and digest nervous system kick in. Because mm-hmm. if we're always in that heightened state, our body is always breaking itself down, that, that kind of uh, catabolic state where mm-hmm. everything is kind of, um, you know, just overworking. Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like that is that is the secret to most of our... Our problems is being able to get the parasympathetic nervous system to turn on. And most people, in most like in our society today, if we could help people know how to regulate their parasympathetic nervous system, I think we would see a lot of problems go away.
0: It's it's interesting because there's always things like your your whoop bands with the, with the hrv yeah. trackers but for some folks we see it just adds another level of stress for them right <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of still And it's different for every person right what's
1: going to be the right tool to kind of work for them to to get out of that fight or flight
2: mode yeah it's all about ratios you know the, the harder you work the more you need to rest and the more you need to tap into that parasympathetic nervous system whereas mm-hmm. someone who doesn't work real hard they probably don't need to be doing that as much right. you know it's just depending on you know, where you're at in that point in time and how much stress you're putting on your body and then how much you need to be kind of making sure the seesaw doesn't tip too far one way and make sure you're resting and tapping into that parasympathetic rest and digest to offset that amount of work you're placing on your body.
0: And I think, I mean, we've talked a lot about a lot of different things here, but we always tell folks to just pick one thing to start working on. You know, if it's something as simple as, I'm going to sleep an extra 30 minutes a night. Great start there. know, people now there's, you know, you get this flood of everything on the internet or I should be doing this or these elite athletes are doing that. And I should be buying this apparatus. Mm -hmm. Um, All these different
1: recovery tools. There's a million and one things you
0: can do. And everyone gets really overwhelmed and, and, you know, just trying to optimize your health becomes a stress. Mm-hmm. You know, we never want that to be the issue. Or, you know, if somebody's giving you mm-hmm. 10 different things to work on, that's just too much and mm-hmm. it's, it's not going to accomplish anything. So, you know, our goal is, yeah, like we talked about kind of finding that, that low-hanging fruit or what can we start to address or what subtle goals can we start mm-hmm. to set for these folks that are, that are attainable, that give them success. Um, so that's always huge is, and you, know, you try to take, you know.
1: You'll get the big picture, right? And it's, it's funny, now we have this term for basically obsession with healthy eating called orthorexia but i don't think we as far as i know i don't know if we have a term yet for just general like obsession with this healthy lifestyle sort of
0: should thing. be do, do they Which, have a term for like excessive exercise i'm sure
1: th- they have a term for excessive yeah, exercise but i but i don't know yeah. but basically we're seeing the same phenomenon whether it's what you're eating or whether it's all these other things that you're trying to control in your life and um and it's so true for, and for every person it's going to be different but if it it's looking at what additional stress that adds to you like maybe it's okay to eat you know to not eat perfectly um if you're not going to be obsessing about every little thing and if you're constantly worrying about never eating a single gram of sugar or artificial food and that's causing you more stress then that that stress is just adding again like you said like more load or more stress to the system that is going to have a negative
0: impact yeah Yeah. that tablespoon of sugar might be Less stressful on your body than you stressing
2: about that for the entire week, and everything in moderation. Amanda Barnhart, we talked about she she gives a diet talk Mm -hmm. of her nutrition, and you know she says you have twenty one meals a week, Mm eighteen should be clean and healthy, three of them maybe not so much. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be all in or all out. You Mm -hmm. know, just change a few things, and even from like a dieting standpoint, it's really hard to start eliminating things from your diet that aren't good you know just maybe add in like one serving of vegetables a week mm-hmm. again like long term like that's going to add up right. to something pretty significant it doesn't have to just be like get rid of everything clean out the pantry and let's just add in all these organic whatevers right. just change one little piece or add one little thing in and you know when we're working with our athletes oftentimes we're not just like adding 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 it's just let's maybe just cut something out mm-hmm. you know that's and then maybe replace it with this you know just one little piece like I mm-hmm. said like what's the priority you know and just mm-hmm. assess that first and foremost
1: and then it helps to have that kind of that person to hold you accountable or that more person who could be more objective who you're checking in with or who um, is helping you make those decisions about what's the one thing or maybe that's too much to take on at
0: once i know i think a lot of people we always say it's too like they don't know what they don't know yeah and that's the struggle sometimes Mm -hmm. they might not even realize they might be having this issue or Mm -hmm. maybe in your case if if we're taking blood work or if we're doing a food sensitivity testing or something they don't again you don't know what you don't know and Mm -hmm. we think of our role as that in the physical world of, okay, my shoulder hurts, but I don't know why it's hurting. I don't know what I don't know about my arm or how I'm moving or things like that. And we can kind of be that resource to start to fill in those gaps for them. And, and if, if you don't explore it, it's, it's hard to figure out what's wrong. And so some people you know with with everything that's floating around there you know you try to okay I'll try this maybe that'll work I'll try that and then they waste six months trying all these different things mm-hmm. and they're at square one because then maybe they haven't identified you know the one thing that you know mm-hmm. has, has could be their one limiting factor yeah. and if we can help them get there faster and if it's outside of our scope then hopefully we have a team or a network of folks around us that we can then say hey this is the person that's more best because maybe it's a nutrition issue or maybe it's a mindfulness issue and here's a here's a, you know a, a, a sports psychologist Mm-hmm. that you can work with or whatever it may be to get that person to that, to that point. Mm-hmm.
1: Amazing. This has been wonderful. We have covered so much ground um, <laughs> but I have to finish with the three questions that I ask at the end of every podcast. Um, so the first one is the three things that you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health. You can both answer.
2: The three things. Three things.
1: Um, Top three things.
0: For me, I sleep. Mm-hmm. A ton. How much
1: sleep do you get,
0: Matt? I mean, I get at least, eight. if I get less than seven and a half, I'm usually pretty crabby. I'm in the same boat as you. Yeah.
1: yeah. I wish, I mean, it happens more often than I would like, but I'm very crabby when it does.
0: Yeah. If I do that back to back days, I'm not yeah. a pleasant person to yeah. be around. Um, I, you know, I do eat clean probably 85 to 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. I feel that's a, a big thing as far as how I'm feeling my body. um, I'm actually not full-blown keto but I'm a pretty high fat style diet mm-hmm. that seems to just really work for me mm-hmm. um, so I feel really great when I when I stick to that and that's one thing that I'm pretty conscious of and I probably m- move in some capacity six days a week mm-hmm. whether it's 30 minutes of yoga at home if I don't get it whether it's full-blown intervals on my bike or hitting a CrossFit gym uh, I, I, I move mm-hmm. and my goal is to kind of take my joints through a full range of motion uh, as often as I can and so That's probably my three main things. Um. Love it.
2: Yeah. um, I would add to the movement, just elevate my heart rate Mm -hmm. to some degree. Um, It doesn't have to be like movement mobility stuff, but just, you know, a quick brisk walk or a quick jog. You know, even if I get home and it's been like a 12-hour day, jump on the trainer and just get something to elevate my heart rate. Mm -hmm. Um, I try to express daily gratitude. Just you know, whether that's shooting someone a text of I appreciate you giving someone a call, um, do I, some. I have not been the. I have not reaped the benefits of that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that maybe maybe yeah.
1: soon it's coming. <laughs> you haven't earned that yet. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you just tell me right. I need to suck
2: it up and feel better, and then, <laughs> um, and then I learn. I, I try to do some sort of daily learning. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's if I don't get that, that's probably more of just a. I become more stressed because I didn't do something to benefit myself from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this like FOMO of like, I have this fear of if someone comes in and like asks me something, whether yeah. it's about like nutrition or performance or something, and I don't have the answer to that. I freak out a little bit. Um, <laughs> so I let, I just have, you know, my, my newsletters that I scroll through and reading articles, you know, physical therapy, rehab, uh-huh. performance type stuff. Um, and I, how do you I, I,
1: get that in? So this is another good question for both of you. How yeah. do you, how do you make sure that you get that time to like constantly be learning or when you think about the from the business perspective to constantly be thinking about how you're evolving um when you're not seeing patients? Because you know, easily the daily grind of seeing patients could take up all of your time.
0: Yeah, I mean I think that's something I wish that we had more time for. I feel like now we, we do have to keep the lights on. So we're we're learning more and more about business, mm-hmm. you know, uh every week, every month, every year. Um I mean now I think the beauty of whether it's through through podcasts or the, I mean there's so much content out there. Uh, I think for us it's it's nice cuz we might have a keen eye on on what content is good and, and where we want to who we want to follow and who's you know who do we want to pay attention to that's doing innovative things in the field. Um, so I think a lot of it is it's it's right at our fingertips for you know for a lot of it. Um, do you
1: have any favorite podcasts or
0: Ultimately like that you my, to you? my, my the best thing about having Ryan around is I don't have to search for it because he's usually got it up somewhere and it's like, oh, did you hear about this? Did you listen to this yeah.
2: podcast? So really I just sit back and listen. Um, that's when first, fantastic. When I first came here, I wanted to set like a weekly, like,
1: like a journal club or well, something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like I said, like, okay, let's do like a, a template where yeah. like we can read back and forth. Like, okay, what did you learn from, from like a nutrition or yeah. strength conditioning PT? Get, like
1: double the exposure. Yeah.
2: It lasted like one week. <laughs> I was send <sitting laughs> him all this well, stuff. Because Ryan's got
0: like five, like 10 hours, at least a week of pod, was doing. I'm like, dude, I don't even know where I'm going to fit this in. <laughs> He's like, oh, did you do you know about this guy? Have you heard this podcast? Did you listen to this episode? I'm like, just send it to me, please. <laughs> which, is, which has been great for me because like yeah. I haven't, uh, I was maybe slacking because I mm-hmm. it, before he was here it was it, it was I was trying to be wear many hats and now we've, we've had a great working relationship as far as delegating some of the some of the other things um, that go on around here so it's great so we do have more time for that um, but yeah Ryan's probably my biggest resource so he
2: filters everything <laughs> and great. then I get all the good stuff that kind of the there cream that rises rises to the top <laughs> I feel like I get that question asked a lot you know even from like our students and stuff of like what resources like are recommended and I just always you know come back with like what, what categories you know um, <laughs> you he's got, he got it all a lot. He literally
0: has an, everything I ask him, he has an Evernote for.
2: Oh, like, I love I'll Evernote. S- it's amazing, like. right? Well, there's yeah. so much information out there. Yeah, like, if I don't put it, it something, you know. Um, mm-hmm. but, yeah. Did-
0: did we have you take the four tendencies test? Did Did we have no, you guys do that? No, I don't think so. Uh, Gretchen Rubinson, when you get oh, a minute, yeah.
1: I think I have taken that. Uh, maybe so it's
0: Ryan is a questioner. For those of you that have, have read okay. it, and so he has to he has to investigate everything, yeah, thing, which is great because, like I said, I get to reap all the benefits of his of his diligent research mm-hmm. on, on different I'll topics. I'll do
2: anything. I just want to know why I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I have no question. problem with do- taking that leap. <laughs> yeah. I want to know why. You What's the benefit of why. that?
0: So that's good. What are okay. you? I am an obligator. An obligator. 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 Obliger. 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 Same difference. What is yeah. that? Um, basically, I need somebody. To, I need to be held accountable to mm-hmm. to somebody, which which has been good because literally every Friday I leave. I'm like Ryan, what do I need to be doing mm-hmm. over the weekend by next week? And he usually gives me a task, and I know on Monday <laughs> he's going to ask me, Did you get this done? Yeah. And then when I say no, then I feel bad that I've <laughs> let him down. Oh
1: my gosh, <laughs> that's so funny. I, make sure I know I do that. that. I bet you I'm the same because. I mean, we have a lot in common, anyways. But I feel like we <laughs> probably me and the Julie same. spent so
0: much time together, and we probably talk less in like ten weeks than we've <laughs> talked on this podcast. And we spent
1: we spent hours, a lot of time lot. with rehab. It's funny because um.
0: <laughs> I think people thought we were dating at the coffee shop that we went to every morning because we'd stop yeah. by, we'd get our almond milk lattes, and, and then, we then we head go to the, the pool. pool. Yeah. It was a routine. It
1: was. And it was so funny because both of our significant others are much more extroverted and talkative. And yeah. they were like, what do you guys even talk about? Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> we're like, we enjoy the silence yeah. and the presence of being with each other. Yeah, that's Yeah, really
1: it. it's fine. Um, I'll have to take that test and report back. <laughs> um, anyways, next question is one thing that you think would have a big impact on your health, but you have not implemented it or you have a hard time fitting it in.
2: For me it's finding the balance between work and and rest Mm -hmm. and work-life balance. You're reading too many things and listening well, to too many podcasts. Well, it never turns it off. Yeah, yes. is right? good it's hard, right? It's a good.
1: I mean, it's a good problem to have that you're so interested and well, you y- love it so much. My
2: issue is that you know, just dis- disconnecting from that aspect, disconnecting mm-hmm. from work, it, 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 it causes anxiety. Uh, <laughs> you know, for me, and I have realize that's an issue. You mm-hmm. know, even on weekends of, you know, Saturdays and Sundays where I feel like I should be doing something to to further the business or mm-hmm. further myself professionally, mm-hmm. um, and if I'm not doing that, then I, I do feel the the side effects of that, yeah. which that's something I've been working on, you know, mm-hmm. this year to, to, to get away from that to where I can separate those two. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, I think that's probably my biggest thing is continue to try to find that balance and finding ways to where I can separate myself mm-hmm. um, from this environment and, and be okay with it. And not just feel like I need that constant stimulus mm-hmm. or, you know, I'm running myself to the ground at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, yeah, that, that, that finding the balance, which I think is any of us, but for me, yeah. you know, the, the the toll that it's placed on me, uh, it's something I'm trying to to improve. So I can uh, relate
1: to you on that one yeah. for sure.
2: Um, but I mean,
0: I would really like to get back, and I need to get back to my my mindfulness practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was diligent for a little while, and I've really kind of gotten away from that, and that's something that I would like to bring back in into my into my kind of weekly routine that I think will help me just whether it's, Mm -hmm. you know, decompress from the week, just, uh, you know, general uh, wellness at that Mm -hmm. point. Um, you know, so that's, I'm a, I'm an introvert by nature, like Mm -hmm. we talked. So being here is and talking all day becomes very, very Mm -hmm. stressful for me. Uh, and I need to kind of just start to create or hold myself accountable to, to, you know, a block of time each Mm -hmm. day to start to do that uh, again. And that's probably the biggest thing right now. That's probably missing from you know, my, my exercise routine or my mm-hmm. daily routine that I'm not doing on a, on a regular basis.
1: That's so funny. Cause both of those things are like the two things that I think are most important for me right now too. And I've, um, I, in the past also, do you have a certain, when you say mindfulness practice, do you have a certain technique that you use or app or anything or? I
0: don't know. Uh, it's mostly just, uh, mostly breathing, mm-hmm. whether, you know, breathing techniques, mm-hmm. um, and that's pretty much what what i do so Mm -hmm. it's pretty quiet still dark room uh, just low stimulus around me and i just i I really do a lot of different like breathing mantra things Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't really use any apps or technology or anything like Mm -hmm. that i'll often just set a timer Mm -hmm. Uh, and some days i can i can go to that place for you know 20 minutes easily Mm -hmm. and some days it's it's quite a struggle Um, but i haven't been you know practicing my mindfulness uh, as much as i should lately
1: all right, last question is, what does a healthy life look like to you?
2: Balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, between all of it, everything in moderation. Move a lot. You know, breathe a lot. Find, um, find ways to continue to have the, the family. You mm-hmm. know, having your family and friends and just having the, the support team. You know, mm-hmm. I think when we lose that, everything becomes just chaotic and messy. You know, I think... You know, they've been looking at like research studies, like in Sweden and whatnot, and happiness. You know, it's it's having the the communal dinners and mm-hmm. spending time together, and you know, farmers working together. I think that's a huge part of it, and I think that's again another really positive aspect of CrossFit is the community aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think overall, it's just continue to find balance and moderation in all things. You know, it's you know just appreciate that. You know everything works. Nothing works all the time. You know, just finding what works for you individually and finding ways to continue to improve and adapt and finding, you know, whether it's someone like us or you or whoever to be a resource and have continued guidance to when you don't have the answers, Mm -hmm. someone can help you find them. I love it. That was, that was a, that was a good answer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He took it. I know really. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's got to be somewhat close. I mean, one thing we really value here is you know relationships. I think that's outside of this physical world is you know the exercise and fitness and health and wellness is you know one thing we get to do on a daily basis is that fulfills me is is building relationships with with our folks, not only just the staff we have here but the patients, the folks we come in contact to the 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 people in the community that we work with um I think that's you know outside of. You know, optimizing my health in all the different ways that we've talked about—that's um, a, a huge key for us. And I think that's—I think that's, or at least I hope—that's why a lot of people like what we do—is—is um, is because we get to build that that connection with them. You know, we know about their family and their vacations and and things that are going on in their life and help them through some of this time. So, I think part of that balance really gives us that kind of well-rounded, you know, uh, you know, happiness or kind of healthy lifestyle as well.
1: So true. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's all about the people. Right. And I think I've talked, I can't remember if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but have you guys heard of the, obviously the blue zones, um, but there's one called Rosetta, Pennsylvania. Have you heard about that story? No. So basically it was one of the a whole population of people moved over, I believe from Italy or maybe Greece, moved over to this little town in Pennsylvania called Rosetta and they were still living kind of the same way that they were. So they were in multi-generational households. Um, but they were adapting. They were living in this lifestyle of fast food and processed food and all that stuff. And despite kind of making that change, um, they still somehow were able to protect themselves. And so their, their city or their community had a much lower rate of heart attacks than all the surrounding communities. And only once the multigenerational households broke up did their rate of heart attacks go basically to equal of all the other communities around them. So it was, it seems like a good hypothesis would be that these relationships and that like close family support was really protective. And I think it also goes to show again, how important that, that level of stress or the fight, like constant sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight, which I think is probably, um, lowered by being around people that you trust and families and support and all that stuff has an impact on our physiology beyond just you know, how we feel, but how, you know, our inflammation, our cardiovascular system, all of that stuff. So.
2: Yep. 100%. No, yeah. it's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, thank you guys so much. This has been an awesome yeah, conversation. Awesome. Um, yeah. We'll have to do it again at some point down the road and get into even more of the weeds, but <laughs> yes, it's been really fun.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. Thank you so much for having yeah, us on. Yeah, it's been you. a pleasure.
1: All right. Cool. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Matt and Ryan are good friends of mine, but I still learned so much from this long conversation. Some of my biggest takeaways are number one, listen to your body. I talked in the podcast about how I didn't pay nagging injuries the attention they deserved in the past and how that really backfired for me when I tore my Achilles in 2015. It's just not worth it. Pay attention to what your body is telling you and put a plan in place to address the underlying issues. Number two, be kind to your nervous system. We all talked in the podcast about how a lifestyle of burning the candle at both ends can contribute to injuries as well as bigger medical problems like hormonal or metabolic disease. Pay attention to how you manage stress and find ways to downregulate your nervous system on a regular basis basis. Whether it's taking a walk outside, spending time with loved ones, meditation or deep breathing, figure out what works for you and make it a habit. I know it's something that I'm constantly working on and it will continue to be a lifelong pursuit. Number three, we are probably all guilty of complaining about nagging aches and pains or imbalances, but the only way to improve them and make sure they don't become a bigger problem is to act. Making long-term improvements is not as simple as feel-good recovery tools, and it requires hard work and sweat, just like the rest of our training. I know there are things I've been putting off for years because I know they'll take time and a dedicated effort, but I know that these things are never going to get better or could end up in a much bigger injury one day until I put that hard work in that Matt and Ryan talked about to address them. Number four. This is a fun one. Befriend your competitors. I absolutely loved the story of how Matt and Ryan started as competitors and now how they are thriving as business partners. Whether it's a competitor in sport or the CrossFit affiliate next door, by collaborating, you'll raise the level of performance of both parties and achieve more or help more people than you ever could when you're focused on taking each other down. I know I experienced this when I was training for the CrossFit Games and really enjoyed training with and becoming friends with some of my competitors. I also wanted to mention that my online training program, Train with Julie Fouché, which was mentioned a couple times in this episode, and with which Matt also plays a role in writing our warm-up, cool-down, and active recovery exercises every week, is getting a bit of a makeover after the Open this year. True to much of what was talked about in this episode, we're shifting our focus more toward health and longevity and training smarter, not harder. We're going to be implementing a variety of tools to help each member customize their workouts so that you can achieve the intended stimulus and also by providing our members with a lot more guidance and support for optimizing the other lifestyle factors outside the outside the gym. Things like sleep, stress management, nutrition, recovery, and so on. We all know these are so important, but we often don't pay them the attention they deserve. So if you're interested in checking out the TRAIN program, you can head to trainwithjuliefouche.com for more information. We'll be implementing these changes and starting a brand new training season right after the Open this year. So it's the perfect time to join us. Once again, that website was trainwithjuliefouche.com. Or if you have any questions, you can email support at juliefouché.com if you have questions or hesitations um, or things that you would like to know before you sign up. To make sure you never miss an episode and to receive exclusive content from me, head to my website juliefouché.com and subscribe to my email list. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and consider giving the podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, don't forget to share your stories. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send me an email at info at juliefouché.com. I'll choose some of these inspiring stories to share here on future episodes. Don't forget you can train with me through Beyond the Whiteboard by visiting trainwithjuliefouché.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Pursuing Health. Have you tried out Thrive Market yet? If not, you are definitely missing out. What are you waiting for? Thrive Market is an online marketplace on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. It allows you to shop for thousands of the best selling non GMO foods and natural products, always at 25 to 50% below retail prices. But as a Pursuing Health listener, you'll receive an additional 25% off your first purchase plus a free 30 day trial if you visit www.thrivemarket.com forward slash ph. My husband Danny and I shop for our staple grocery items using Thrive Market. Things like nut butters, cooking oils, snacks, dressings, coffee and tea, personal care products, eco-friendly cleaning supplies, and non-toxic beauty products. It has helped us to stay on track with our busy schedules during medical training, and we know all their products are coming from a curated list that we can trust. So, no matter what you're looking for, whether it's paleo, vegan, ketogenic, gluten-free, non-GMO, fair trade certified, or any of 80 plus other types of products, you can easily find them on the Thrive Market platform at prices 25-50% to below retail. Even better, these items are shipped straight to your doorstep so you don't have to worry about the time or hassle of grocery shopping. Thrive Market's mission is to make healthy living easy and approachable to everyone. And this aligns perfectly with my own personal mission and that of pursuing health. Because it has been such a lifesaver for me, I wanted to share the benefits of Thrive Market with all of you. And they've responded with an amazing offer. So head to www.thrivemarket.com forward slash ph to receive 25% off your first purchase plus a free 30-day trial. Again, this is on top of their already 25 to 50% below retail prices. So why not try it out and do your grocery shopping from home this week? I hope you can take advantage of this offer and enjoy their service as much as I have. Once again, that website is thrivemarket.com forward slash PH to learn more. No discount code is necessary. Just shop around and the discount will be applied at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Siete Foods you know when you meet a group of people who are just so genuine that you can't help but treat them like old friends or family? Well, that's how I felt when meeting the Garza family, the founders of Siete Foods. Siete Foods is a healthy Mexican-American food brand that makes grain-free and paleo-friendly tortillas, tortilla chips, quesos, and hot sauce. My husband and his family first met the Garzas at PaleoFX several years ago, and they had an instant connection and have kept in touch ever since. Maybe it's their powerful origin story that makes them so relatable. Veronica Garza was facing a series of major health challenges as a teenager. Her entire family of seven jumped on board to help. Together, they adopted a low-inflammation, grain-free diet. But as a Mexican-American family living in South Texas, they couldn't imagine life without tortillas. And it wasn't long before Veronica came up with a delicious solution and Siete Foods was born. After years of enjoying their delicious, grain-free, dairy-free, and paleo-friendly tortillas, tortilla chips, queso, and hot sauces, I finally had the chance to meet the Garzas in person, and they immediately made me feel like a member of the family. Their passion for making the world a healthier place is contagious, and their generosity spreads to everyone they touch. I'm so excited to have Siete Foods as a sponsor of this episode, and if you're not already a fan of their products, I promise that you will be as soon as you try them. They've provided an exclusive discount for Pursuing Health listeners. Just use code JULIE when you check out on SieteFoods.com to take advantage of their offer. Again, their website is SieteFoods.com, S-I-E-T-E-F-O-O-D-S.com, and you can use code JULIE for 10% off your order.